0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Piled track and it's in for the touchdown. What a great second. Here the, oh, here comes the Oh, here comes the,
1: oh, here comes the oh. Welcome back, Wolfpack. We are thrilled to welcome on Pete Davidson today in this round of the Fantasy Wolves. He's the head operator at rotobond.com, fantasy football writer and broadcaster for WEI Boston Sports Radio, and the first guy I ever actually wrote for Fantasy Wise. Pete,
0: I'm thrilled to have you on. How you doing, my man? I'm psyched that uh, you, you you had me on, Bud, and. Uh yeah, you used to write for my site. It's so funny. You're one of the only people who ever wrote for my site, other than me, by the way. Um, and you were great. I, I, I was sort of bummed when when it sort of faded. But you know what? You were so funny. I don't know if you even remember this. You're, you're probably not like this now. But you used to say, man, I need you to give me deadlines. I need you to put pressure on me. And I'm like, bro, I'm a free site. You're a good dude. I mean, like, when you're ready, just send me what you got. And you're like, no, I need you to like push me. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, i do remember I'm, that's right i'm busy pushing myself like I, like everything you write is good when you want to give it to me just give it to me and, and I'll, I'll put it up and uh, we had some fun for about a year and then you got what did you get married or you you no you started i just started teaching
1: stuff? and things got real crazy and busy and I, I took a break from the fantasy scene and then we started our own thing over here at roto street journal uh, and, and i've just been doing that since i know it, it was too bad to follow because i love working with you i love your site i love everything you guys do
0: well, thanks, man, and and your site is really good. I, your web presence is strong. So uh, I look and anything I can ever do to help you guys grow, just let me know.
1: Uh, coming on today is as awesome as as it is already, man. I, I love well, it. Well, we'll yeah. see how
0: much that helps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but for our listeners who are just tuning in, and might not know you yet. What's kind of your fantasy story, Pete? When and how did you get involved in this industry?
0: Um, well, my story is sort of long. It's it's an it's sort of original. I, I um, you know, I was one of those. Guys, I, I played sports. You know, I was always one of those. I play sports. I don't do fantasy sports, you know. Um, and like a lot of my friends, I, I was sort of a geek when I was a kid. I mean, I, I played a lot of sports, but I was sort of geeky. I, you know, I was into Dungeons and Dragons and Rush and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so um, a lot of my friends were also rotisserie baseball guys. This is back in like the 80s um, when I was a little dude. And, um, I always just said, No, nah, not doing that. Like I play real baseball. Why am I doing this phony baseball stuff? Yeah. Um and I, literally for a decade I just like stiff armed all my fantasy friends, like, No, nah, don't do it, not interested. And then um when I started working for the Mets uh, in the mid nineties, um <laughs> I remember I walked into the sales room and I was literally the only guy in there who'd never played a fantasy <laughs> thing. Um and like the more I talked to the boys, the more they're like, dude, like you realize you should be playing more than anybody in here. Right, like, yeah. You got You've got the sickness and you're not playing the game. Um, And so that year they were doing a fantasy football draft. um, And, you know, they just sort of strong armed me into it. It was one of those things like, you know, are you going to be part of the room, dude? Are you going to be the one guy who doesn't play? And I'm like, nah, no, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. So I I went and I did it. And uh, the first thing I'll say is I made the classic mistake. I did. I drafted in like the fourth round I drafted – uh, Warren Moon, mm-hmm. and then, like, in the fifth, I took Jeff Blake. I went yeah. back-to-back quarterbacks, and everyone's like, moron, <laughs> idiot, what's wrong with you? And I'd already started out with, like, a receiver in the first round, and I did all kinds of just stuff that I – I mean, people talk about zero-RB drafting. I did it in the first draft I ever did. Um, <laughs> I love it. By, 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 like, happenstance, stupidity, accident, whatever you want to call it. Um, So I my team did okay. Like, I drafted good players, but my, my roster construction was – Mm. Ooh, who's not good? Yeah, um, and, and, I, and I, I didn't. I didn't have tremendous success that that first season. But the thing that really hooked me, and it hooked me hard, it really hooked me hard, mm. is that you know we're at Shea Stadium, and on draft day, uh, everybody's like, "Okay, here's how you get to the, here's how you get to the draft." And it's like you you go into the tunnel, you make a right, then you go three doors and you make a right. Um, I go, "Okay, cool, I'll, I can find that." And when when I walk in, I realize that the room I'm walking into is the old Jet Locker Room at Shea oh, Stadium. no way. <laughs> That's where my first fantasy draft of anything was in a baseball stadium in the room that Joe Namath used to, you know, put his hat on it. Yeah, so, and then, of course, everyone's, like, messing around, and I'm like, hey, did anybody know which locker was Namath's? And they're like, it's that one. And I'm like, oh, okay, and I got my chair right in front of Namath's locker. So my first fantasy draft pick I ever made I was sitting in Joe Namath's locker. That's unreal. Yeah, and it was special, and it was, it created a romantic kind of thing for me. It was like, I think I found something I want to keep doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've been doing it ever since, and I never um, took back-to-back QBs like that again. And uh, <laughs> I learned the ropes, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's just been a lot of fun ever since. And I picked up baseball that same year. Um, and uh, baseball for, was special for me too, because I remember when I was preparing for my first baseball draft, everybody's got, you know, their laptops and mm-hmm. they're running Bill James software. And, and what is it, What do I do? I head behind home plate, um, for the first training of a game and I'm hanging out with the, um, the road scouts from the other team and I'm scouting pitchers with actual baseball scouts right. because yeah. we, <laughs> when we used to get off work, we used to be able to go flop behind home plate, like at Shea stadium, they used to be the mm-hmm. big net and, right behind all the paid seats you would see all these folding chairs and that's where visiting scouts would sit they would have the radar guns and all that stuff and the cool thing about the scouts is that because i worked in the ticket office i knew a lot of these guys because i would set up their friends with their seats and i would do a lot of their ticket orders so when i would sit down they'd be like hey pete come on hey come on and talk and you would be amazed at the kind of info you could get out of these scouts so i would just sit there with my notepad taking (laughs) notes from pro scouts on pro pitchers none of my league mates really thought to do this. They're just like running their software and whatever. And that was right. sort of where my film life started. Um, I, I picked all those scouts' brains and they helped me learn to watch pitchers. And um, I drafted pitchers a lot the way I draft football players now.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's going to be a natural transition to the next question. But I think that's just also to that sign. Because you're a big Jets fan, right? Is that?
0: Well, as big as one can be. Yeah. Big, <laughs> I mean, I, I've learned to... I learned back around 2000 that my local teams did not deserve access to my heart. Like I used to give them access to my heart and allow them to hurt me. Uh, and I realized after like the when Parcells left the Jets and mm. when when the Mets continued to not spend, even when they were in a position to maybe do something special, I realized that my teams don't care about me one bit. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. It, I, I'm Stop gonna root for that. these idiots, but I'm not gonna give them the ability to hurt me anymore. So yeah, um, it's it's worked out well for me.
1: There you go. <laughs> Distancing it. Yeah, but no, it's just mean, funny. Yeah,
0: but, uh, just imagine rooting for the Knicks hardcore every oh, night for the last few years. That'd be I mean, only a for punishment would do something like that. So exactly, I, you know, arm's length. Uh, as my wife likes to say, small doses. Yeah, and if they quality product back in the court, i I'll, I'll watch. I love it. No, it's just
1: funny that you get that sign too, right? Like, you must be doing something right. You're at Joe Namath's locker drafting. Like, clearly the universe is like you're meant to do something with fantasy football, right? It,
0: it, it, in that moment, I definitely – it sort of crystallized like, wow, I've been making a mistake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I should be playing sports. This, this really is a good thing. And, and, and even though I got crushed in that league, I had a blast doing it. Yeah, it's funny, too. I was
1: actually very similar. I was with my uh, freshman football team way back in high school, and they needed a 12th guy. And they're in the locker room, and I was like, I'm never doing that stupid thing. I don't care about all these other teams. And they're like, we just need a 12th. Do it so we can have a league, please. And they kind of strong-armed me into it, too. And sure enough, you know, after one draft, I was just like, this is it. I'm I'm hooked. I ended up coming in second that year. as the whole Marquise Colston tight end scandal. I don't know if you remember that year. <laughs> But, <laughs> oh yeah, you,
0: you go. Oh, Marcus Colston, another one. Like, why don't I root for the Jets? Because Marcus Colston practiced twenty feet from them for four years, and he does. They don't. They pass on him for seven rounds. It's like exactly. vintage Jets. <laughs> the best. Somehow the Saints ever. find out about this guy from you know a million miles away, and the Jets. Exactly. Nah, no Marcus Colston for us. No, nope. oh, he's free. Nah, we're still. <laughs> nah, still. No, nah, I agree. I
1: yeah. you uh, you already hitting though at the, the next question kind of here and it's kind and I, and I love that you're this way, but it's whether it's a general stat or approach, like what makes you, you, you know, a fantasy wolf, what gives you that edge, what kind of separates you from the pack? And you kind of already started to hint at it, but I'll, I'll let
0: you dig a little deeper into that. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like to like blow my horn. I, um, but you know, I, I, I have confidence in the way I do things. Um, It it is a little disconcerting for me that the industry is sort of going away from the way I do things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I mean, it doesn't bug me. It doesn't make me question my process in terms of me winning. Um, But I do want I do sometimes wonder, are people going to be interested in the way I do things five years from now? I don't know. But the bottom line is it works for me. So I've stuck with it. Um, Like I said, like back in my baseball drafts, I used to be the only person in the room without a laptop. I would, I would be there with one sheet of paper with all my names written down, color coded by position, yeah. and people would literally be laughing at me, like mocking me in the room, like, dude, you, you can't play that way. And then at the end of the draft, I mean, they would literally run software on the draft. And this is this. I mean, now this seems like, yeah, Pete, no kidding. But 15 years ago, 20 <laughs> years ago, this was this was a fairly new thing. Right. Um, and I remember one time after the draft, they said, Pete, you came in last. Your, your projection is dead last. And I'm like, what the blank does that mean? We just yeah. drafted the team. So I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and like, Bill James projection says you dead last. And I'm like, and I, and it was just one of those moments where it's like, I loved my draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I killed it. I know I killed it. And by the way, I won this league by 30 points. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, it was over by the 10th of August over. Mm-hmm. And, That's when I realized that, you know what, I know that this data stuff works. I know that a lot of the guys who use it really well, so it's valid. And the guys who are doing it, I know Bill James is a smart guy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm very open-minded to data being good. And guys who use data as their primary methodology, I'm fine with that. I think it's great. Um, I, I just, for me... My process, until it stops working for me, Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to mess with it too much. The one thing that I want to make sure people understand, though, is just because I'm a film guy, it doesn't mean that that's the only thing that ends up in my evaluation. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of really smart people doing great things with analytics, and it would be really stupid for me if I have the opportunity to stand on their shoulders and then I don't take it so yeah. like when, when Scott Barrett tells me something I go hey wait a minute that's totally contradictory to what I'm thinking in fact right before we came on air he threw me a curveball on Tariq Cohen and I don't know if I agree with Scott or not but it, I stop and think mm-hmm. because I know I know how informed he is and I know how smart he is same kind of thing with, with Kevin Cole or Josh Hermsmeyer or Adam Hartstead all kinds of different people mm-hmm. so I pay attention to the data people it's just not part of when I roll up my sleeves and get out all my stuff I'm a film guy and when yeah. I'm trying to add something to the discussion that's where it's going to come from um it's it, it, it's how I do it and it, it, sometimes I think people are like pizza film guy and it's true but I'm also a rookie guy if you will P- part of what we try to do at Rotobahn and I work with a, a, a film partner um who's an ex-college coach ex-college quarterback. Um, He's also my uncle. He's someone I really trust. We share some DNA. We tend to see Mm -hmm. things very similarly. Um, But what's great about him is he keeps me on the road. He keeps me inside the railings. uh, Because if I'm doing something that's technically incorrect, he's going to point it out to me, which is great. Um, It's sort of, you know, he's he's sort of my mentor. Um, But what we try to do isn't just have a film take on every player. What we want to do is, every single guy who's got NFL talent, before he gets to the NFL, we wanna have a profile in our database on that player. Mm -hmm. The profile isn't necessarily designed to project the player. What it's designed to do is profile the skill set that the player possesses as close as we can get to it so Mm -hmm. our other work which we do on offenses so we do a lot of work with offenses we try to profile the offense what makes it tick what kind of players they're going to be targeting in drafts what kind of players want at the various positions in their scheme so when we see player x land with team y we can do a really quick interpretation on scheme fit do we see synergy do we see this as a vertical situation that we want to get involved in that's how we do it and what's been great for us i'm going to wrap this up soon What's great (laughs) What's been been great for us is that we've now been doing it long enough where there are players getting close to retirement in the NFL that we have in our database with skill sets that we we put on them nine, ten years ago. So Mm -hmm. we're a couple of years away and we're sort of excited when this finally happens. We're a couple of seasons away from there being nobody in the NFL that we didn't do rookie work on. Yeah. Um, And that's going to be really cool. At that point, we're going to really have like on some level, we're going to have total mastery in terms of our ability to profile the way we profile. And um, I don't know. It's sort of cool. Looking forward to that day
1: absolutely no it, it's, it's very impressive it. and that's what and i love the timing of this podcast too because we actually just had scott barrett and uh elliot christ on for the last two before this and that's about Elliot's his-
0: coming on next week on mine so that's awesome
1: great. i love to hear it. yeah he's fantastic and and that's yeah. kind of like the picture of stack guys and then that's why i was like this would be perfect if we can get pete on soon because it's and i don't like how people there's like a film guy and a stack guy and it's like you one or two camps i'm with you like I, I trust film a little bit more i like watching it and then i like to find the stats that kind of Back what my eyeballs are telling me. So why why do we have to be both? Why does there have to be this divide? Even if there's one, you lean to more than the other, right? Like that's.
0: I I agree, like a hundred percent on that. And 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 you know, just to sort of underscore what you're saying, like when you were writing for Rotobon, I don't know if you remember that we used to do these things called game caps. I used to have a handful of friends who would watch games for me and take notes, and we would post the notes. And what and the instructions I would give all my film guys back then was, here's what I want you to look for. Don't just look for who's playing well. Do that, for sure. But look for the things that aren't showing up in the box score. The things Mm -hmm. we want to look for are not just is this guy on the field, but are they targeting him and how. I wanted something that went past just target totals. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't really do that anymore, Um, A, because people got sick working for free on a free site, But, (laughs) but more than that. More than that, it was that things like air yards started coming out. Yeah. Um so so there you have Josh Hermsmeyer coming up with a metric that really took a lot of time out of my process yeah. because one of the things I used to do was I don't care about targets. I wanna know I wanna see these and targets. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanna because some targets it's a throwaway, it wasn't a target. Some it's it wasn't a functional target. And and I wanna know who, who was the first option on the play. Mm-hmm. You know, I these things are really important Absolutely. to me. I, I, I want to judge offensive intent, not just offensive outcomes. So like that's how I watch film. And Hermsmeyer's stats gave me a little bit of a cheat code on that. Yeah. So like the idea that I won't use mm. Anna what I'm doing with film, it, believe me, I will. If if somebody Absolutely. does good work, I'm I'm gonna partake of it. No,
1: I'm I'm fully with you. Yeah, so we agree on that. And I'm I'm a big believer in the scheme analysis too. I I don't even actually remember, but way back when I did write for you, there was a, a PPR article I did, and it was about uh, tressman's scheme and why Matt Forte was a great fit. And, and I think that's kind of why
0: you we and knew I we, both we love Trest-
1: yeah, Exactly, we love that. Get, get that kind of- he needs to, we need to get
0: that guy coordinating. So seriously,
1: I know I miss him, <laughs> but I, Forte ended up having like a hundred something catches that year. So I, I'm a big believer in scheme fit. And I know a lot of people say coaches don't matter. And I, I'm not in that narrative. I think they definitely pigeonhole certain talent. And, and so Play we're, we're it yeah,
0: I mean, exactly. Say it doesn't, I, hey, you know what? For those people who don't think play calling matters, just keep thinking that way.
1: I, I'd say it blows my <laughs> mind. I, I truly don't get it. Um, but no, we're, we're pretty aligned in our approaches here, uh, which is cool. And that's why I'm excited to, to dig in now and go into some actual specific players. Uh, we got a few sure. we're going to go with here that it's who we hire and lower on uh, together. And then we're going to have a few where we might not be quite as aligned. And then after sure. that, we're going to run you through the no huddle offense where we just kind of get some rapid fire answers. Is All right. That, uh, good with you. Giddy up. Alrighty, uh, so one player we it. both like, um, and we're both much higher on than the the experts right now, is Evan Ingram. Uh, we both have him right around 40, you have him at 47, I think I have him at 48, like a fringe fourth rounder, our, our yeah. locked-in fifth tight end. What, what has you so high on Evan Ingram this year?
0: Um, it really, just talent plus opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he generally is undersold in terms of just how talented he is. Um, I mean, if Evan Ingram was a chief and Travis Kelsey was a giant, I would flip them on my board. Yep. Yeah. Evan Ingram would go right to the you know right to that one two turn and, and Kelsey would drop down uh, into the fourth round because mm-hmm. they're to me they're close to the same in terms of what they can do. One has Andy Reid's scheme and Pat Mahomes. One yeah. gets Shermer and Eli. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not about to just because I think they're similar quality put them in the same place when right. the platform is completely different. Um, but even though the giant platform is mediocre and it is. Um, The lack of Odell Beckham to me – and again, Sigmund Bloom and I like to joke around about the dangers of assuming rational coaching. Mm -hmm. And I think in this – with the Giants, you do run the risk if you assume rational rational coaching. But the idea that these guys can have Evan Ingram in their facility to watch him practice every day and not realize how awesome he is, I just don't buy it. I think they know what they have. I think they know that their best offensive weapon in the passing game – perhaps apart from Barkley, if they actually choose to use him correctly, which they won't, is going to be Ingram. And, uh, you know, to me, barring injury, um, he has a chance to finish as a, you know in the top four tight ends. Um, and I think in PPR, he could be even more devastating if you play in a full PPR league. I just think the targets are going to be there. And I think the only thing that's going to slow him down is injury.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm fully with you. The talent is, is so apparent. Such an athletic freak. I think he had better measurables than Odell himself. Uh, in of, I mean, he was
0: in straight line speed. Absolutely.
1: It's insane for a guy that size, uh, which is just crazy. And then Odell's removed now and you talk about target share. This guy's volume obviously went up a, a Ton. I think it was he went from you know eight fantasy points a game to about thirteen and a half with or without Odell right. in the lineup. So the opportunities there, it's just uh, the platform. I like how you kind of outline that because when we we do our grading on players, we look at talent opportunity, the biggest two slices of our grades. But then we also factor in the scheme, the coaching, um, the the surrounding talent. We call it, and those factors don't grade out very well for for uh, Evan
0: Ingram. But maybe. Right. Yeah. And what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I I was – no, it's platform. I came up with that like last year. I needed a word. I'm like, I need something that means offensive, surrounding talent, coach, scheme, and I just decided – Platform would be a good word. It's a
1: fantastic <laughs> word to describe it all. The, the launching pad, what, what else has yeah, to go exactly. into it, right? Exactly. Um, and so, you know, the, the two biggest factors are definitely there for him. It's just a matter of will those other, the risk factor of the health and all that come together. But if so, I mean, what what usually makes that leap to the elite tight end is that enormous volume spike. And he could be the main vein of this passing attack. I, I don't see any reason why he can't be.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we all know that tight end is a a position that sometimes develops slowly. And Mm. I just think that's because, you know, when you're a tight end in the NFL, you get a lot thrown at you initially, and some guys swim mentally. So, you know, the fact that he's had nice target swings when Beckham is a part of the equation, uh, that's great, and I wouldn't discount that. But I think we also want to think about this player maturing and blooming. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's, you know, Evan Ingram in 2017 should be a significantly better player yeah. Than Evan Ingram in twenty seventeen. So, um I mean obviously if I had my druthers, the Giants would open up their scheme, they would become less static, you would see Ingram being moved around like a chess piece, you would see Barkley being moved around like a chess piece. They would be hard to decipher when they're in the huddle. You wouldn't know who's who until they lined up in the formation. Unfortunately, they are less like the Saints and the Patriots and Andy Reid and you know they're more like the Cowboys. Unfortunately, everything tends to stay very similar snap to snap.
1: I know. I'm hoping that does change. Last year we had a, a beat writer, Dan Schneier's his name. He covered the Giants yeah. last year. Sure. He's, he's great. I know Dan. Uh, yeah, he he was a fantastic interview, and this was before Ingram got hurt and things kind of seemed to get a little derailed. But beforehand, right. he said they're moving this guy. They called it like musical chairs. How often Ingram was moving around, and they were sending him on every single route you can draw up. Uh, and then, of That's, course, you know, he got a little tight, and he he flared up. But until that had happened, it seemed like they were really envisioning that role. So I'm hoping with a fully healthy offseason and some time to be that main focal point, they they get back to that creative usage. We'll see.
0: I, I, I'm with you, and I'm look. I'm open minded to these guys maybe getting better in year two of the scheme, and you know you're yeah. not coaching the coaches anymore, and you know hopefully that happens. Right. But I, I'm gonna. Sort of be in believe it when I see it mode. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that, that's where he'll truly
1: spike though. If if,
0: it, if those stars do align the right way, it's well. And, the, and and look, you're making a big point, right? Because yeah. this is upside that's within the range of outcomes. Just because we're not willing to bet on it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it doesn't exist. And you're exactly. getting that potential benefit when you take him. Um, the only last thing I want to just say on Ingram, I have oh, him at sure. forty-seven. One thing about my rankings, and, you know, my draft plan is going to be coming out this week, and I do my best to warn the people who use my materials. God bless every one of them. um, (laughs) You know, and and the guys who use my stuff year to year understand I have him ranked at 47. doesn't mean I'm targeting him there. Mm -hmm. It means I see his value there. So I always try to tell people, look, there's a nexus between my ranking and ADP, you know, try to try to find it in the best way you can. You know, my I most of my Evan Ingram shares have come in the fifth and sixth. Yes, which really makes me happy when I have him valued at 47. Um, You know, same kind of thing. I have Nick Chubb at six overall. Mm -hmm. But I'm very clear to my people now targeting him at six is not necessarily the move. I mean, if you want to, For a tactical purpose, sure. I don't think there's any problem taking Nick Chubb at six. I think it's a reasonably good thing to do. But if you're in a room and you can read that room and you think he's going to come back to you in the second round and you think you can gain a tactical edge by doing something different and then Chubb, maybe DJ Chubb or or Nuke Chubb Mm -hmm. or whatever the heck floats your boat, I'm cool with that. Absolutely. There's a lot of different ways to to, to use rankings. And and my rankings tend to be, this is how I value. It's Mm -hmm. not how I'm tactically approaching the player. So I just want to make sure that... You know, well, of course, <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm, I think that's a great clarification, and, and we say the same exact thing. It's like, why, even if I think something's worth so much more at a, a mega store, I'm not going to be like, "Hey, this was worth thirty bucks to me. You're only charging 10 Like, I'm, right, you right. Know what I, mean? I really like
0: your Prius, but yeah, can I give you seventy thousand dollars for
1: it. Exactly, it's much more worth what your your low prices. So I, I'm fully with you there. Exactly. I, you got Chubb Chub on my mind now. I've always said, "Are you?" This wasn't part of our script, but just going off real quick. Sure. I've always said I would have rated this guy fifth, sixth overall had Kareem Hunt not existed. Are you worried at all when Kareem Hunt comes back? Or do you you're franking, reflect that you think this is just oh. going to be the Chubb show all year?
0: I, I, it's hard to say what's going to happen with Hunt when he comes back. First yeah. of all, Kareem Hunt needs to walk the right line for a couple of months. So point. there's no guarantee he's going to do oh, that. Certainly um, not. <laughs> Here's my basic take on it. I'm a big believer in Nick Chubb. I think he's a big-time running back. And I think the thing that we want in fantasy drafts are guys with alpha talent, you know, in a great offense, who are going to be getting a legitimate heavy dose. Yeah, I didn't see—I didn't actually see Duke Johnson as a threat. I was going to be moving Chubb up either way because, to me, it seemed like, Dick, like for whatever reason, they had moved away in their mm-hmm. minds from Duke and— the trade i think sort of yeah. cements that idea um, and we could talk about duke later i'm actually targeting him now but we, we I will be him. actually i have i have yeah. him queued up i, I can't wait to <laughs> okay good good <laughs> good so um You know, but my thing with Chubb was I kept looking at him in the second round and it surprised me the whole time. And then for a while in my rankings, I sort of left him there because I didn't want to confuse my readers because, wow, this guy's such a value. And I was consistently Mm -hmm. getting him 14, 15, 16 in the second round. Then I started, I felt him creeping up a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? It's time to just put this guy where he belongs. Mm -hmm. Why is David Johnson an elite running back and not Nick Chubb? Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the, the reception part plays a factor sure but you know we're all in on saquon barkley he's in a bad offense we're all in on david johnson he might be in a bad offense um nick chubb's probably going to be in a really good offense he's probably going to spend a lot of time inside the 20 and his you know his i mean his touchdown total could range anywhere from nine to 29 20 (laughs) exactly right yeah (laughs) he, he, he could score a lot of touchdowns even if he just plays okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to play okay. I think he's going to knock people over. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he's going to get a lot of positive running situations. Um, and, and I think his ability to catch the football is probably a little bit north of what people estimate. Mm-hmm. I think if he's targeted, he can, you know, like the way Carlos Hyde caught, what was it, like 66 balls? Um, one, I think his last yeah. year for the 49ers. Now he's not much of a receiving back, but if you target a back, the reception numbers can be there, and I think Absolutely. Chubb will catch some balls. So um, I just couldn't come up with a rational reason why this guy isn't in the first round. So mm-hmm. I, I put him there. I also took him at 10 overall last week in, in the Town Ball Draft, and I feel good about I love it. it. I, I, I mean, everything you outlined I think is fantastic. You
1: talked about the platform. What better platform than this offense that I, I see putting up 40, you know, Chiefs type oh. of offense like last saw- year.
0: Yeah. I didn't answer your question.
1: Um, <laughs> that's what I was going to get back to. I was circling back. What Kareem happens Hunt. week nine when Kareem Hunt
0: comes back? That was my only worry. <laughs> my feeling is that unless Chubb gets hurt, yeah, and that's a risk that has nothing to do with Kareem Hunt, right? Mm-hmm. So him being hurt is not part of the Kareem Hunt discussion. Yeah. We're worried about all guys, whether they get hurt. So unless Chubb gets hurt, my feeling is that this guy is going to be just just steamrolling by the time mm-hmm. Hunt gets back. So if you're the Browns, And you've got this new guy who's never been part of your offense, who's never been part of your scheme. Yeah. Are you just going to suddenly go, yeah, we're going to split? No way. There's just no freaking – I mean, if you're the OC, would you do that? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I would would say, hey, we have a chance to supplement Chubb now. We have a chance to – you know, you know, take, you know, lower the risk, lower the mileage. Uh, uh, of course, they will do that. So, you know, the idea that, you know, when Hunt comes back and gets his legs under him and is fully immersed in the scheme and is ready to play, which I guess is around week 10 mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, what do you think? That's are you around the same I, time frame? Yeah, yeah.
1: That's what you know. Yeah, because the suspension ends week eight. I think they might have a buy somewhere in there. So right. yeah.
0: Um, so my, that's my get, worries. It, it, something like that yeah I, I think what we see is a slow integration over a couple weeks yeah so I think we probably get to at least like week 12 where we haven't really paid much of a price mm-hmm. and then yeah I mean mm-hmm. it could take a little bit of your ceiling away in the playoff I don't think that's tough to imagine but I also think you know this offense is so good yeah Uh, You know, I think that Chubb's still going to be a reasonably good RB1, even if he's losing, say, 25 percent compared to what he was getting earlier. I'm just not that worried about it. We see that with a lot of running backs just because the volume gets to him. Right. We've Mm. seen that with Melvin and Gurley and and a handful of backs over the last couple of years. So we're always concerned when we take a volume back early that they're going to be still cranking for us in week 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, That's a problem I'm willing to worry about when I get there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And thats I think that's the the point, right? you got to get there for it to even matter if he's going to kill you in the fantasy playoffs. And there's, like, I'm with you, there's pretty much number four on my big board I think I would have Nick Chubb if Hunt didn't exist. And I probably, knowing that, and and I love your case, if there's steam rolling ahead, why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, I I think that's a really good point. I I still have, you know, 13, 14, but maybe I need to get him back into my first-round ranking because I love everything uh, you're saying there.
0: I, You know, I... I just think the reason I put running backs in the first round is because I believe in the volume, mm-hmm. you know, and I just don't see how this guy doesn't get volume. I, I, yeah. I definitely see him losing some targets when Hunt comes back and some yeah. early, you know, a little bit of early down work. Um, but uh, this guy, I mean, remember what happened when they finally put this guy in the offense last year? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it was like flicking a switch. Yeah. And it, it, you know, the whole, I mean, obviously Mayfield was another huge player. Huge switch. But it, I just don't see that I, it, if you were there and the the coaches they have were there. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Kitchens is the new guy, but he was the guy who presided. He the, over. The, he was the running backs coach until he got promoted, too. So he really he, knows Chubb. Yeah, it, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, Hunt's a Dorsey guy. I'm sure he's going to get a chance as long as he does his job. I just don't see them upsetting the Apple cart when I see them being like eight and two at that point. And the
1: biggest switch of all to flick too, Odell Beckham joining the offense, you bring in a generational talent like that. I mean they're how are you gonna stop that that Browns team? It's gonna be insane. Is, he's is he your number so one it. receiver, is that right?
0: He is, yeah. Yeah, he's I my number it. one receiver. I, love I, it. I just you know, I, I love Nuke. And look, if you want to take Nuke or Devontae over Odell, I'm not gonna tell you not to. That's perfectly Reasonable decision. I I have these guys separated by like the smallest of, of decimal points. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but but for me, Odell Beckham is the most talented receiver. He's mm-hmm. moving to a quarterback that's going to give him a level of quarterback play he's never had before in his life. In his life, yeah. you know, Mettenberger was a decent QB. You know, if you were playing with Zach Mettenberger in college, you did okay. But Zach Mettenberger is no Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's no All Pro quarterback. You know, he came and played with Eli when Eli was a little past his prime um, on Giants teams that could not protect an immobile passer he's now going to be on a team with a young emerging mobile passer who sees the field incredibly well who throws yeah. anticipatory throws uh, this thing could really yeah. you know, eddie murphy used to do a joke about johnny carson uh, about how his wife shouldn't have to work because when you're married to johnny carson you don't have to worry about the ends meeting because the ends are meeting all over the place yeah um i sort of feel like this is that kind of situation where when you put Odell Beckham, together with Baker Mayfield, the ends are just going to be meeting all over the place. Their strengths align so well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beckham's routes, I think people focus on the flash plays with Odell, but his route work, there's nobody better. There's nobody better with the route work than Odell Beckham. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I just – it's so hard to envision this not working.
1: Yeah. I'm so excited for it too. Yeah, that offense is going to be a treat to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and another wide receiver, so I wanted to, we talked about Ingram and it actually, I had this debate last night and I don't know if I sided with it the right way or not. Um, I ended up taking Curtis Samuel above him. The hype train is obviously steaming ahead, probably more so than, uh, no, Curtis Samuel uh, for the the Panthers. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh,
0: Ahead of who?
1: What's that? Ahead of Ingram. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, okay, right, right, right. Last yeah. night, yeah, because I, I, I had a the very RB, 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 RB heavy draft. I went uh, David Johnson at four, then I got Mixon on the way back, and then I got Aaron Jones nice. in round three, which was, Ooh. you know, I know, pretty pretty sick backfield, but my receivers were a little shaky, and so even though I had, you know, Ingram staring at me right there in round seven, I was like, oh my god, this value's insane, I still didn't feel great about my wide receiver core, and I started, I, I, I sided with Kurt Samuel, and, and I saw oh, you yeah. have him at 57 <laughs> overall, which I love to see. Much higher than most experts, and I'm right up there with you. What do you like about this guy? Try to make me feel better about taking Curtis
0: Samuel instead of Ingram, um, yeah <laughs> I, I, I I have a an affinity for Ohio State football players. I always mm-hmm. just feel like they're a little bit more talented than people realize. I feel like the scheme at Ohio State doesn't showcase individual NFL talent traits as much as a lot of other schemes do. So I think we tend to underestimate uh, a lot of these OSU players when they come out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it with some guys. Now, it didn't work for me with Braxton Miller, but it's worked for me with a lot of these other guys. Um, And, you know, the thing about Curtis Samuel is that he is so freaking explosive. I mean, it's just there are very few human beings with that type of explosivity. The concern I always had for him is would he be able to punctuate it with higher end route work than we saw from him at Ohio mm-hmm. state. And would he be able to develop some softer hands? Cause his hands were a little, little pitter patter at OSU. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he fought the football a little bit, but he's got his hands up a little bit better. I don't see him fighting the football really at all. Based on last year's film. Uh, I love the way he's running routes. Now he gets out of breaks. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, and then once he's got the rock in his hands, he is an absolute nightmare. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, a nightmare. So I'm looking at this offense and I'm seeing the way it's evolving. And, you know, it's funny. Sometimes when an athlete gets injured, they find something new in their game. I mean, when I ripped my knee up in college, I had to play with a brace that that weighed like 20 pounds. And as I sweated through a match, it would gain weight as it would like hang onto the sweat because it had this sleeve. And I was a, I was normally a quick player and I had to adapt to for about two months playing as a really slow tennis player. And it was really hard at first. But it's funny what happened. My anticipatory skills just started getting better and better and better. I started reading rackets and and seeing where the ball was going beforehand because if I didn't, I couldn't get to the ball. Mm. And they say, like, when you lose your sight, your sense of smell gets better. Like, your senses adapt to things. That happens to injured athletes. We find ways to overcome and adapt. If you watched Aaron Rodgers last year, when he was playing with that hurt knee – all of a sudden, the ball is coming out fast on every mm. play, and he's hitting guys That's in stride over the middle of the field. And I'm like, "Wow, look at Aaron Rodgers! All of a sudden, pumping on one and two counts. Check this. Yeah, can I curse on this podcast? Oh, please, no. Let it. Let it go. I, 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 I keep check this shit out. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is out there just banging guys in the beginning of the route, and it's. I'm like, I wonder right now if Aaron's going, man. I should do this more often, you know, and I don't know if he came to that conclusion or not, but the point I'm, I'm sorry for the long windup, but the point I'm trying to make here is Cam Newton's shoulder. If you watch the, the arc of that season, you can see the offense change as his, as he, as his inability to go downfield mounted as he turned into a pop gun arm quarterback and they let him play that way for a period of time. And I could be wrong, but I think Cam sort of discovered some things like, Hey, you know, there's something to this ball distribution thing. Like, yeah. I give the ball to McCaffrey, he does his thing. I give the ball to DJ Moore, he does his thing. And mm. I think I think he may have found something there, and I think the coaching staff may have found something there. And I think what they're doing with his mechanics, I don't know if you've read about this, mm. but the thing I think they're trying to do is get his weight off that back foot, get his weight a little bit evenly distributed, get him t- to take that... His anticipatory throwing to another level, I think, and it's – please understand, I'm just guessing here. But I think what we're going to see with Carolina this year is more short throws, more yards after the catch, and a lot of targeting of Samuel, McCaffrey, and DJ Moore. I think that's going to be their offensive paradigm. It's going to be yak – make defenses defend these guys you know closer and they're gonna they're gonna keep doing that RPO stuff and I personally don't think we're gonna see a huge downgrade in terms of running opportunities for Cam in fact it would surprise me if we maybe saw a little bit of uptick from last year uh especially near the stripe I think Absolutely. teams now are starting to respect McCaffrey I think they 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 tamped down the Cam Newton dives last year I think we're gonna see more of them this year
1: yeah, I'm I'm fully with you. It's. They seem to start evolving towards that last year. And, and as you said, maybe they realized it worked when that deep ball was taken away and he couldn't truly pepper it. And now I love the reports that it's looking as good as it's ever looked, the deep ball against. So they have that at their disposal too. So as they're doing the, the dinks, the yaks, and letting that come up, defenses start to close in. S- or DJ Moore can get right behind you. And we know Cam can just whirl that thing down the field right when they do.
0: That, that's the beauty of this offense. Yeah. I mean, um, you know... Uh, Samuel is an absolute deep threat. You know, Moore is an absolute deep threat. Mm -hmm. I think people may not realize this, but I think Ian Thomas is an underrated deep seam threat. Um, I don't know how many snaps Thomas is going to play. I personally hope it's a lot. But, you know, if they get more aggressive with McCaffrey, there's no reason McCaffrey can't be targeted more often downfield as well. They have a lot of of different ways where they can create downfield opportunity matchups. So the potential for this offense, if they keep Cam evolving upstairs mm-hmm. um you know nobody's better at drawing up deep shots than norv turner he's he's gifted at it yeah. i mean you go back to his days with the rivers and so they they did some awful good stuff downfield just
1: just oh, yeah, i remember Reigns. that malcolm Kozier floyd up. i, think I think remember mountain. those guys I yeah Kozumar, I think malcolm floyd. exactly <laughs> that's yeah that's exactly so. what i'm picturing um, right. And, and I'm, I'm with you too. The, the reports I love that I'm reading about Samuel, you said the explosiveness, that's never been a question. I'm fully with you. Uh, but will he refine that to also become you know more than an athlete and become a receiver? That's like the exact line that we people are saying about him. This is no longer an athlete. He's impossible to cover. He's great at the line. He gets off the press and things like that. Those little things that you didn't know were going to fully develop. If he has those parts of his game, I mean, he has the explosiveness of a Tyreek Hill. I, mean, I don't want to be hyperbolic. But you see this guy blowing through he, the field like I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't want to get too hyperbolic either, but truthfully, he does things that Tyreek Hill doesn't do. I mean, Tyreek Hill doesn't have the juke ability that this guy's got, in, in my opinion. I mean, he's 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 a little bit scarier in terms of his ability to just disappear on you, probably. Right. Um, but uh, Curtis Samuel is not just a straight line guy. I mean, he will he will leave you and your jockstrap in the dust. You know. I mean. I love I'm
1: it. You. <laughs> i you. I can't wait to see it. And and the, you see all this buzz coming out off season, MVP, impossible to cover light years ahead, all that. And it's great. But what I really like the buzz that I, I put the most stock into was they had joint practices with the bills and even Tredavious whites, like this guy's destroying me. Like he's really right. shifty. He's good at the right. line. He was gushing after him. So it's one thing if it's your own camp and it's your own writers and they want the fantasy guys to be clicking your articles. I get it. But when another stud cornerback is like, Hey, This guy is really good and he's taking that step. I'm all in. I I love it.
0: Anytime cornerbacks talk about receivers, you should be listening. Yes. And that's, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was a big fan of Greg Jennings um, and David Sills uh, from Mm -hmm. West Virginia. They were two rookies that I thought um, were better than consensus view. Um, And one of the reasons. That I, I said that is because the cornerbacks from the the, uh, the year before who both went to the NFL just raved crazy about them. They're like mm-hmm. they're like we can't cover these guys. Yeah, uh, and these are quarterbacks who are now playing in the NFL. So yeah, I mean definitely when when cornerbacks are talking, you, listen. Yes. you know when, when when defensive coordinators are talking. Whatever. But, you know, when, yeah, when cornerbacks are showering praise, you should listen, you know. I and Richard Sherman's a really good one, by the way. He will mm-hmm. like, I always listen to Sherman. Yeah. He's really honest about the receivers he plays against. I, yeah, I love that. Um,
1: and so we already we already hit upon the last degree we're going to get to. We hit upon Chubb, uh, which one reason we like him a lot more now is Duke Johnson's removed. But that we shouldn't just forget about Duke Johnson because his landing spot could be perfect. He's now with the Texans. How do you see him fitting in there? What do you like about Duke with the Texans?
0: Well... Um... Well, I just like that offense, especially yeah. for a, a receiving running back because they face a lot of light boxes because um, mm-hmm. uh, of Deshaun. So you've got um, a quarterback who – they're a unique offense because they've got some really stress-causing receivers downfield. But then they have a quarterback who often draw a spy. Mm-hmm. So your ability to – pick up big plays like in the screen game and with with any type of against the grain some misdirection if you've got a skilled running back um, like Duke you should be able to set up all kinds of different types of screens and looks um, not to mention um, another thing about Duke that I just I can't like I don't want to root for injury against players particularly ones I like like Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti because mm-hmm. I like both of them quite a bit oh they're awesome but I- but there's no way to sit there and say that these guys don't have injury risk. Yeah. If either one of these guys were to go down, Duke's, Duke Johnson's a slot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can flat out play slot. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if that had anything to do with why they were willing to pay. What I, I think it was a fourth that could escalate to a third, if I'm not yep, mistaken. Exactly. To get. But, you know, to me, I think Duke Johnson was part about they wanted somebody to share the backfield. I think it might have been part about that they want somebody with formational versatility as well.
1: Absolutely. And I yeah. think it
0: could I, that could lead to fantasy value for you and me is the point. Um, uh,
1: 100%. Um and, and I think the I think you bring up the price they paid is really important here cuz that's not right. you know chump change a third potential third rounder right. and that was right. Bill O'Brien pl- pulling the strings there. So I saw all right. these and he's tr- a little cheat <laughs> right, exactly, and he's not. So he clearly has something in his mind, right? He wouldn't be doing that without a, a pretty clear role for Duke Johnson. I saw all these stats coming out, and in fact, I found some too about how they've ranked, you know, dead last or twenty eighth and whatnot in terms of targeting running backs these last few years. But they also haven't had a Duke Johnson. This is a completely different talent. If they're going to pay that type of price, there must be something in, in their mind here. And you think about all those broken plays, right? That line is st- maybe a couple draft picks and up, but it's still probably going to be one of the worst lines. In the league, and you can just see Watson scrambling, and who's going to be there? Who's instinctive as a receiver? I think Duke Johnson's as good as they get. One stat that I love that I heard on him was forty-four uh, percent of his catches have gone for either first downs or touchdowns, and so you're you see the stat that matches what you see on tape. An instinctive guy that just knows how to move those chains that could make this offense deadly. So I'm really excited about I, what I, he brings to the table.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm with you on all of that, and um, you know, one thing I I remember. I'm not going to name names, but I got into a fairly – and and I don't really get heated on Twitter very often. I I, I really try to be – yeah, that's mm. interesting. That's interesting. Um, Not, you know, get, get into like screaming back and forth. But mm. I got into a fairly intense debate um, about Zeke Elliott last year, and I was trying to make the point that, you know, Zeke – people were extrapolating his receptions from his mm. first two years in the league. And I'm like, listen – I understand that everything you're saying is accurate, but you need to understand the arc of a young quarterback. Young quarterbacks, in my opinion, slowly learn how to hit the running back, and they slowly learn the value of hitting the running back. You know, if you look at the quarterbacks who throw best to running backs, they're almost always veterans, right? Rivers, Brady, Breeze, right? So Deshaun's not just ability to target the running back, backs but sort of the willingness yeah i think slowly as quarterbacks evolve in the nfl they realize the value of just as we said about cam before just get the ball to a guy who can make some plays you know mm-hmm. take some of the take some of the mileage off my wheels put some on dukes i think you're i think you're going to see more of that with deshaun as he matures and hopefully we'll see more of that this year and then the one thing we haven't touched on um and i can just tell by the look on your face you're going to at least agree with this a little bit <laughs> yeah um there's a chance Duke could take this.
1: I was I was going to make that
0: exact uh, point. Who's in his I'm way? Not, Lamar fucking Miller?
1: Like- <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: well, I, I'm actually a defender of Lamar Miller. Oh, okay. I, always, <laughs> like, I always feel like he gets a little bit of a bad rap. I think he's better than general consensus. But just to your point, I also think he's poachable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know how long it will take them to feel like Duke Johnson deserves a shot to actually compete for the gig. Because obviously Lamar's been here, he knows all the stuff, he knows the scheme, he knows everything. But once Duke is in, once he's comfortable, it would not shock me if he made a move up to 50% in this backfield and maybe even beyond. It would not shock me. In my personal opinion, he's better player.
1: Absolutely. No, I'm fully with you. And then the, the standalone upside just in that pass-catching role within this attack is great. But if he does take over as the lead back too, that, I mean, that ceiling
0: is insane. <laughs> like right now I can get him in like – I mean, I'm aggressive. I mean, I'm, I think I took him – I took him in like the, the ninth last week. Absolutely. So, to me, that's a really safe pick mm-hmm. because I think that's his floor. Yeah, like I think like worst case scenario right now for Duke Johnson ninth round works. Absolutely, but I th- I think his upside is like fourth. Right,
1: exactly. I know there's so many players you you hear a lot about buying players at their ceilings. A lot of experts point out don't buy this guy now because now you're paying for his ceiling. But the the converse of that is when you buy someone at their floor and you think it's already a, a nice floor and the ceiling is completely yeah f- I mean fourth even more a lead back in the Texans offense. That could be Deshaun Watson was putting up 40 and a half points a game his rookie year. It looked like he needed to kind of fully get himself back, uh, you know, throughout that year last season. If they're all together, that offense is going to be deadly in my opinion.
0: I I totally, I I totally agree. And you know, when we talk about ceiling, I think sometimes we need to understand like some guy's ceiling is like 40% of their range of outcomes. Yeah. Some guy's ceiling is 5% of their range of outcomes. So like when we talk about ceiling, you know, like when I'm talking about Duke Johnson's ceiling, I'm not talking about just that one highest point. I'm mm-hmm. talking about his ability to hit. So, like, yeah. to me, if he hits, he's sort of ceiling. And yeah. I think his ability to hit is probably like 40%. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's like, oh, maybe Duke Johnson will go off. I, I, I think he's got a. there's a pretty good chance chance. it happens.
1: I'm with you, 100%. All folks, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, and then when we come back, we're going to hit some of the players we might not quite see eye-to-eye on and see if uh, either one of us sways on our rankings here. So I'm looking forward to that. So stay tuned, folks. All right, folks. We are back for part two here with Pete Davidson. Uh, again, if you are somehow just catching part two of this, this is a video of it. This is Pete from Rotobon.com at Rotobon on Twitter, and he also can be found on Wei Boston Sports Radio. Pete, how we doing? <laughs> you ready for round two? Um,
0: um, yeah, just the way I was five minutes ago, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, really good. This is fun. We're having fun. I, I know, man. It's great to catch up. It's been too long. I used to love shooting the fantasy shit with you, so it's just like the old days. Uh, finally catching up on some players and right. stuff. But we, were, we were just talking for too for for people listening and enjoying this. We already were just brainstorming. <laughs> we might do a February uh, big board show right when the Super Bowl ends. So if you're that type of addict that needs that fantasy right after, uh, tune in on market calendars for February. Right, we're gonna right, <laughs> we're gonna into, your veins, right into your veins, baby. Right into your veins. Let's
0: do it. <laughs>
1: um, but so we're going to now get into last time was kind of all players. We really see eye to eye on we're higher on than the experts, but uh, we, we trust our guts on them and we share. So that was all fun and games. But now it's down to the players that we might have a little bit of discrepancy in our rankings with here. Uh, and the first one is Miles Sanders. I I brought up here. You had him. I know you said you might bump him down a little bit, but he was at 54 yeah. or so overall. Um, And I want to love this guy. I think I love what I watched about him, but I'm not sure I especially at that price would be willing to pay for. But help sell me on Miles Sanders.
0: Uh, I'm probably not going to do that. (laughs) Uh, Like, my take on Sanders is is complex. I mean, I I think we talk about platform before, right? So Mm -hmm. from a platform standpoint, hey, how you doing? I love it. (laughs) I mean, like, what's not to like about the Philly offense? I'm not a big... I'm not real stuck on their RBBC pass just because I don't feel like anyone's ever taken the backfield. So it's hard to judge whether they would stick with it when nobody's ever come in there and sort of blown the backfield away. I I, I feel like it's more of an unknown than a known. Um, so from a from a you know from a touch standpoint from a role standpoint, I feel like all these players could take this backfield if they just play well enough. But um, my thing on Sanders, it, it's funny. One of us getting a call. Did you no. hear that? Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe it was me. I, I, I just heard a little tone. I don't know. Um, no, no. We unplugged my phone. It can't be my yeah. phone. <laughs> it, it, anyway, um, so it, it's funny with Sanders. Like, I started watching his film back in January, and I'm watching the film. and I'm like, how can nobody be talking about this guy? Yeah. Like, this guy's good. Like, obviously, this guy was sort of stuck behind Barkley, but man, this like I'm I, I popped on his film, and after about ten minutes, I'm like, the, the I. I could probably find the sheet around here. I wrote down NFL talent. That's the first mm-hmm. thing I wrote down. Yeah. Like, this is NFL talent. I'm watching NFL talent. Let's let's now view that as such. Um, now, there were some things about him I didn't absolutely love. I thought the vision was mediocre here and there. Um, but I love the way he hit it. I love the way he runs. Uh, I love the way he sort of stays behind his pads and, and keeps his options open. Uh, he's a good back, and he's got good hands. He's He's got good hips. I mean, in, in terms of a block of clay – there's not a lot to dislike mm-hmm. um, but I you know I noticed that his handle was a little bit I noticed it got away from him here and there and I'm like you know does this guy fumble mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went and I I looked up his fumble numbers and oh look at that he had like nine of them uh, yeah. or it was eight or nine off the top of my head I can't remember the exact number but it was a significant amount and four of them came in like his rookie year when he barely got any touches mm. so he was fumbling at really high rate early in his career Um, and then he still fumbled at a I wouldn't say an alarming rate but a significant rate later in his career so that I'm like well that's a bugaboo because in the NFL you don't get to fumble like that you can fumble but you can't fumble like that Um, Mm -hmm. and you definitely can't show your coach a weak carriage you've got to show that high and tight carriage coaches care about that stuff so to me that's going to be his defining thing for playing time is his ability to show not only that he's not putting it on the ground, but that he's doing the technical things that will lead to him continuing to not put it on the ground. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm going to be watching his preseason carries, seeing if I see anything different. Um, the thing, is, the, the thing with Sanders is this: if he gets sixty percent of that backfield, mm-hmm. oh my, that's, yeah. a yeah. that's a lot of fantasy points. That's a lot of fantasy points. This is a team that I believe in a really, really strong way. Is going to be throwing the ball downhill against teams. I don't think many teams are going to be able to stop Wentz and these receivers. There's just too many of them. He's too good. This is a really good offense. Peterson knows what he's doing. I I, I just don't see how this offense fails outside of some type of catastrophic injury. Mm-hmm. So somebody is going to be getting a really good running situation. It, you know, it's going to be Sanders or it's going to be you know the big dog. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Jordan Howard. So. And and I have a little bit of love for Boston Scott. I'm sort of keeping my eye trained on him, just in the periphery, just in case he starts doing something. I'm a big Boston Scott fan, but you know, it's sort of like the Rams. It's like you better have a game plan for this backfield. Mm -hmm. Like like if you're just going, well, I'm not comfortable with the with the Eagles back, so I'm going to fade them. I don't know, man. That's a dangerous game. You can only do that with so many good running games. Like you need like to me, you need to figure out how you're going to play the Rams. Yeah. Like maybe Gurley isn't your play. But if Gurley's not your play, you should be figuring out a way to invest in Henderson or Brown mm-hmm. because you want to have some involvement in that running game. Yeah. Um, uh, same kind of thing for me with the Eagles. Um, you know, I, I haven't totally figured out Sanders. I'm actually going to be doing some work on him over the next couple of days because I'm locking in my draft plan this week. Um, I, I think ultimately for me, he's probably going to settle in the 60s, like the low 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's all about upside. Yeah. Uh, but. The, the the thing I would impress upon people is he's not the kind of player you want to go in on with both feet. If you if you want to take a chance on Sanders, whether it's where I have him ranked now or maybe in the 60s somewhere, I think it's a good idea. But make sure he's not like your RB mm-hmm. you, two. You want him. To be, you want him to be the guy who can knock your RB two out of your lineup.
1: Absolutely. Versus- I-
0: yeah. I think that's a great preface too,
1: yeah, because that's what I'm most nervous about. Is you're not going to get any immediate dividends, but oftentimes those are the the best fantasy players. It might take half a season, but the upside is astronomical. I mean, there's no doubt about it that this offense hums like you think it will, and I think it will too, fully with you. They have the offensive line, the top ranked line by Pro Football Focus, and just they're always one of those top five lines. So you got to love that. And they've got, it?
0: and they've got the ability to to to. They've got redundancy at left tackle. I, I was going like to say they drafted the backup tackle, plan, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've got a lot of different – that is a really good line. They're really well coached. Obviously, the center is phenomenal. Oh,
1: gosh, um, yeah, as
0: good as it is. Yeah, so yeah. It, 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 yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in offensive lines too. I mean yeah. the offensive line is something you can count on. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, it really works. And you know, the other thing about this running back situation is that um, they're going to be in a lot of positive game scripts. Oh, so yeah. I, you know.
1: and, and that was going to be my question. Then is is my worry is that usage fact is Howard. is is Howard going to be the closer? Is Howard going to get the goal line touches? Is Boston Scott or Darren Sproles or Corey Clement going to eat at receptions? And it becomes one of those I like to refer to it as but between the twenties purgatory where Sanders might rack up eighty yards a game, look great doing it, but ultimately is that ceiling going to be capped because he's not getting the goal line carries. He's not getting a ton of receptions throughout the game. Do you see him as a talent that could kind of supersede this type of committee situation or could he get trapped like that?
0: Okay. First of all, I think that's just like totally the right question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the, 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 here's the answer that well, in my opinion, closer, I think you're hundred percent. I think if they're in a closer situation, it's Howard. It would mm-hmm. be sort of silly for it not to be, I think. Um, but, If you look at Philly, they like to be multiple inside the 10. Yeah. like They don't like to just put the big back in inside the 10. They like to be able to show you a bunch of different stuff. So Mm -hmm. I don't – I and again, I'm just – I'm taking a guess here. But my guess is that both – whoever the backs are, and I think it's probably going to be Howard and Sanders, I think you're going to see a lot of them both inside the Mm -hmm. 10 because they like to throw to the backs inside the 10. They they like to do different things. So um, my guess is that, yeah, Howard will probably get more – Short dives at the strike than you want. But I also think your guy will be involved, too. Um, And I think Sanders will get some touchdown receptions in the red zone and he'll get some some tosses and some some strike carries as well. So I, I, I think the chance for, say, seven to nine touchdowns, I think it's there.
1: Absolutely. And you do have to factor into the draft stock, right? They, this is the first time they've taken a running back yeah. this high since LaShawn McCoy, and you're drawing a lot of those comparisons. So, yes, That's a
0: really good point, yeah. because it, it, the, the fact that they took him there should say that they see his fumbling issue as something that they can deal with.
1: Absolutely. If, yeah, yeah.
0: if they think that's a 50-50 thing where the player can't accept coaching, they're probably not going to lean in and take him. So I, I think in that sense, I, I, I really like that point. Absolutely,
1: made. yeah. So I'm hoping that's the case that like the the draft capital he fixes those fumbling issues and he's just too talented to take off the field. Because if so, a, a lead back in that offense, I was calling Jai last year the potential Todd Gurley that blows up because the offense around him was so good. Now Jai did not obviously do that; it was a, a bust, but it was because the platform was so sexy. So if Miles yep. Sanders, probably a better talent, can finally get those reins and, and force a sixty percent, like you you suggested, then. Feel Fifty-four is going to be blown out of the water where I said you're too high, so we'll see. Right, I, I hope and, and, he does.
0: And we know Jordan Howard is not multiple.
1: Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: he's a horses for courses kind of player, and this mm. is an offense where they like to hit you from a lot of different angles. Yeah. So I just like the idea that Howard could work himself into say like a seventy percent share of this backfield. I mean, no way. I, way. He's really going to have to play well, and he's going to have to find some skill set mm. that he hasn't shown us that much of so far. I, I mean, God, I like Jordan Howard. I'm a fan of what he does, but he doesn't do everything. So, you know, unless Peterson can help him expand his game, I I think there are some limitations
1: structurally. I got you. Yeah, I think as long and again, that point, just to reiterate, if you're not going in two feet forward and relying on Sanders right from the start, you already have your two running backs, maybe a solid flex even lined up. This is probably the most upside type of bench guy you could have. So I think that's a really good point just so I wanted to reiterate is you can't go right in on this guy as a, an every-down starter for you. But, man, by the end of the season, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him being a league winner too. Uh, so maybe, maybe yeah. I got adjusted. And he looked great in the preseason. Well, I don't know if you saw his preseason tape from this week, but started the game, you know, good blitz pickup, had a 16-yard run, a 12-yard run, just kind of he was that first back in. So I don't know. Maybe he's starting to take it over. All the beats think he is.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, this is a guy who played his full college career, right? Mm. So yep. in that sense, this is a guy who is going to be a little bit quick on the uptake when it comes to scheme stuff. Because, yeah. you know, he played at a major college. He played behind a guy who went first in the draft. Mm. So he's seen big-time guys practice in front of him. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, it. I think with a lot of things, Sanders should be quick on the uptake. I, I just want to see that handle a little bit yeah. tighter. Yeah. Uh, if, if the handle tightens up, I, I become very bullish on this player. I like it.
1: Um, so the,
0: the next backfield
1: I want to look at, and you're really high on one of these guys, is Royce Freeman uh, in the Denver Broncos backfield here. I, I'm Am I very, too high? I, I don't know. We'll see. You have him up at 67, which is definitely higher. I kind of picked out where was Pete higher than me, but also just the general consensus, too. So that's definitely higher than what most people have, whereas you're a little bit lower on Lindsay I think they were only four spots separating these two. I'm intrigued by this backfield. I mean, Rich Scandrello yeah. comes in a, a zone blocking scheme from that Shanahan style offense. How are these guys going to fit And Is that why you're high on Royce or, or what's your take for him? I'm,
0: okay. First of all, I love Philip Lindsay. Um, and, and I don't know. I'll, I'll send you my pre-draft right up on him. he was one of my favorite backs last year coming out. I, I, just, I mean, I was, he, his, his college film blew me away. Mm-hmm. blew me away my, my cake on is you're gonna love this guy he's better than Eckler that was what I said mm. then he doesn't get drafted so I don't really lean in on him on in, in rookie drafts because yeah. a he doesn't get taken b he goes to a team that's already got a bunch of talent so I was a little bummed out about that um and then he starts flashing in camp and yeah. I start I grabbed him in a couple of places thank god nice um, but there's a couple things here first of yeah. all as much as I love Lindsay, Freeman is legit good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think I've got them both in a very similar place in terms of how good they are. Um, so I, I'm just sort of looking at this backfield as a split backfield. I'm giving the edge to Lindsay in my rankings just because he's already done more than the other player, and I'm just giving him credit for it. That's it. Um, my hope is that Lindsay gets more in the passing game. I know he's capable of it. His college film says he can do more as a receiver. I hope that happens. I mm-hmm. personally put very little stock in Theo Riddick. I think he's a supplemental player they got just in case. I do not think that they have designs on stealing many snaps from either one of these guys with Theo Riddick. I, I really hope that that's not what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I personally think Riddick is somewhere close. I'm not going to say washed, Yeah. but I, I, I personally view that he was always a little bit overrated. Um, and he's a player I really liked at Notre Dame, by the way, but I just, I, mm-hmm. I, these two players are better than Theo Riddick. Yeah. Theo Riddick on the field is going to hurt their team, in my opinion. I think they're smart enough to know that, but I like the scheme too, and I really like the, fa- the fact that they brought in Munchak mm-hmm. to coach stuff with the line. I think right. that's really going to have a positive impact on the quality of blocking. I think it's going uh, to improve the platform. I think we're going to see, excuse me, we're going to see less you know, nasty sledding, a little bit more defined gaps for these runners. Um, so I think they're going to run the ball really well. Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't have is a feel for how this thing is going to break time-wise. I'm assuming roughly a 50% split. And oh. and and that's why these guys are where they are. So mm-hmm. I think most people maybe are seeing 60 for Lindsay, 40 for F- Freeman. So Lindsay's in the 40s and Freeman's in the 80s. I see it closer mm-hmm. to 50. Alrighty. Very,
1: very intriguing there. My question then becomes, do you think this offense can maintain enough scoring that they don't have to abandon the run? Because I mean, think about Chiefs, Chargers, even the Raiders, if who knows what the hell's going on with Antonio Brown, but that's some explosive offenses. I think their schedule projects to face a lot of where they're going to be the the, um, underdog in some of these games. Do you think that script is going to get too negative? They're going to have to abandon it. That's one of the concerns I have with both backs here
0: is that's like definitely the right question. And and, and and that's the reason, you know, that I don't have these, I'm actually clicking through something right now. So forgive yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. No, no, but I just want, I, I don't want to say something and then be talking out of my blank. Um, yeah. But uh, let me just take a look at this.
1: You um, are allowed to swear on the podcast, by I the know way. Saying. Saying, <laughs> okay, no, actually,
0: you, know, you actually made a, a good point. Um, uh, one thing I always do when we're talking about divisional teams is I want to see which divisional opponents off their schedule in in this case it's the raiders so your point stands mm-hmm. um they are going to have a tough a couple tough games here's the thing if you're denver and you're playing kansas city you have to run
1: yeah you know what i mean yeah
0: you have to run eventually mm-hmm. it's probably going to get taken away from you but i think they will try to run as to much as point. they can early shorten that game see if they can get some drives going um and th- where that's going to work for them at least when it comes to kansas city is i don't know how well kansas city is going to defend the run yeah so I think they may be able to compete with a team like Kansas City. I think where you're really dead on is when they play the Bears week 2, when they play the Jaguars week 4, and when they when they get hit by the, by the Chargers and luckily the Chargers is not a playoff matchup. Their yes. playoff matchups, which is the thing I like about them. Uh, Houston week 14 which we don't love, but Chiefs 15 and Detroit 16. I can go I can get down with that. Absolutely. So.
1: Yeah, okay. Inter- interesting. I'm, I'm very excited and I always love a good zone block scheme. Do you think Royce, last question on him before I move on, yeah. I, I've I've done a lot more work like watching Lindsay and how I think he fits in the scheme and I think he's perfect. The acceleration, I think
0: he sees holes really well and
1: I just think I totally he's going to it.
0: And, does, and does, I don't know if you've heard, but there's been a lot of people saying Lindsay doesn't fit this game and I don't get I, it at all.
1: I, I don't, that makes no sense to me. I think the acceleration, the way he can just go from zero to 60, like when he sees that hole and he sees him well, he's going to have some huge chunk plays.
0: I think, I think the Shanahan's would have loved this guy. Oh yeah. loved
1: it, him. It's going to be beautiful. And it's coming from that Shanahan scheme. And I don't, don't I wrong. wasn't Kubiak in Denver last year? Ah, not last year. He was out of the league. He's
0: back in the... That's right. You're right. You're right. He was out of the league last year.
1: It was a couple seasons ago. No, but Scanderello is their new offensive coordinator. He comes from San Fran under Shanahan. He's probably going to be implementing that style scheme. I haven't done as much work on Royce and how he fits the zone blocking. Is this... You'd be more adept at this. Like, where? coming out of college. Is this going to fit him?
0: I think he could run scheme or zone I, I don't know if he's, like, made for one versus the other. Yeah. Um, the, thi- the thing I've always liked about Royce Freeman is that he's no nonsense. Mm. He, he, You know, he's not a guy who stares at it. He, does, he doesn't need to see a big hole to make it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I like about him is he's just a, an extremely versatile player. Mm. Um, I, I was really big on Royce Freeman. I thought he should have come out in 2017. Yeah. Like, I I, um, I thought he was ready. Like, I, you know, um, I thought he waited a year too long, um, sort of like Bryce Love, who mm. sat paid a price for waiting too long um yeah. which is a total bummer um so you know i think freeman was ready before he even got to the nfl i think um you know he, he got a little dinged up as a rookie yeah. and, and, and it cost him um but to me I, I think the one thing people probably don't realize about royce freeman is that he's a really good receiver yeah yeah he is
1: I, I'm pumped to hear because I got him in the uh, 10th round of my draft last night. So I, yeah. I, I'm hoping and, that's. And by the start. way,
0: you and I talked about this. Um, mm. And I, I can't remember if we talked about this one on or off the air. Uh, the thing about him, look, I've got him ranked at 66 or 67, whatever it is. Um, but like you said, you got him in what? The 10th round.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Right. So, and I, I think um, I can't remember where these, whether we talked about this off air or on air, but you know what, what I try to tell people is that, you know, there's, there's sort of a nexus between where I have a guy Mm -hmm. and his ADP, And I always encourage people to try to find that soft spot where you can get the player at a much better value than I have him ranked Mm -hmm. um, and sort of get the best of both worlds. And I think Freeman's a really good example of that. You don't need to go draft him in the the late fifth or early sixth. In fact, I generally won't because almost all of the time you're going to have somebody else on my board who's a better value. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, you, you're likely to get that type of payoff. So for me, I'm probably targeting him 7th, maybe 8th, something like that. Absolutely, yeah.
1: We did, We talked about that a little bit with uh, Evan Ingram. You know, right, if I right. don't have to pay what I value it as, even better. I'm not going to offer you a 6th right, right. rounder because I can get you at a 10th round price. Uh, it, it's, Same it's, thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great that you do rank that way, though, because it, it does let your viewers see that, you know, this is how I feel about this guy. It m- puts them much higher on Royce Freeman. He's much higher on their radar after looking at your board, rather than just another cheat sheet of the ECR where it's an aggregate and everything's all kind of combined and everybody's kind of drafting with the same basis. Uh, I really like that you rank so aggressively on players either you're high or low on. So your your viewers, whether they agree or not, it's very, it stands out to them. and. It, and I think that's great. That's why we yeah we had John for a fantasy wolf segment like this. You, you really stand Thanks, out with man.
0: that stuff. It's great. I, I appreciate it. And um and I tell people all the time. It's like, look, here's the tier. you know, like, I encourage you to keep this guy within this tier. Mm-hmm. But if you feel strongly, yank him down or up. Do what you're going to do. Um. But you know, I, but I always encourage people like really be aggressively. I mean, within tiers, adjust my rankings aggressively to fit your own tastes. I mean, absolutely. You know, there's nothing worse than being wrong because you listen to somebody other than yourself. Exactly. For me, that's one of the worst things in fantasy, is when I go against myself for some reason, and then it ends up being exactly the way I thought it was going to be. and It's Mm -hmm. just like, ah! You know, (laughs) so uh, the thing I always tell people on my site is, you know, think of me as your partner. Think of me as your co-pilot. You know, I'm here to sort of keep you from going on tilt. You know, if you've got this idea that's really aggressive, well, Come and check out what I have to say on it. And you may decide to to fade that a little bit, or you know, maybe you've you've got a player you you don't like that I really like, and you, now you're going to reassess. Um, but yeah, my rankings are not something for people to follow blindly. They're yeah. just something for you to you know, sort of use as a centering point.
1: Yeah, a little roadmap. I, I'm with you there, yeah. absolutely. Um, it, fits, it fits the name well the rotobon, right? the, the highway <laughs> to the fantasy domination I love go. it I do need um,
0: I need a new logo I, I gotta I gotta get to, I gotta get down with Jake Anderson and work on some new artwork I think.
1: <laughs> there you go uh, so the we're gonna t- turn away from running backs here and go to QBs and I know you wanted to talk a little bit about your general philosophy with QBs um, but the one that kind of made it stick out to me was Matt Ryan I think he had him at, right around QB 10 whereas I have yeah. him more in my top 5 or so QBs Um, mm-hmm. so you know, are you down on Matt Ryan? What's your kind of thoughts in general about the, the position?
0: No, I mean, look, I've got Russell Wilson at 12. And I mean, mm. Russell Wilson's, I, you know, I owe that guy money. He's made me so much money over the last 10 yeah. years. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's, this is a tough quarterback class. I mean, I have Tom Brady at 18. I've got Drew Brees. Um, gosh, I've got Brees at 19. So, I mean, You know, there's some, and and that has nothing to do with Brady and Breeze not playing well. I think they're both going to play very well. Um, I just think they're both going to be more run heavy. That's all, especially the Saints. I just think they're going to run a ton because they can. And I mean, look, if you're Peyton and Breeze and you look at their team history, a couple things really stick out. And it's that the paradigm for their seasons where they've really gone deep and have had real shots at the title, they've been more run heavy. Absolutely. Because they've been. They've had defenses. They've had running games. and So anyway, um, uh, my rankings of quarterbacks is not a reflection of how I think they're going to play. It's a reflection of how many pan- fantasy points I think they're going to score. Um, and, yeah, R- R- Ryan for me is a QB1. And if you're a QB1 this year, that means I like you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like Matt Ryan a lot at QB10. I, he's there because I just think he's very – I hate to use this word, but he's safe. Mm. I, I, I think the return of Cutter is sort of a um, – I don't think enough people realize that's good. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of Matt Ryan's blossoming as a player actually happened under Cutter back in like, mm-hmm. back in 2013 maybe, 2014, something like that. Yeah. Um. So this is a player and coach I think that go pretty well together. Um. Is it as good as having Shanahan back? Maybe not, but um. that's not going to happen. So, you know, yeah. um, I, it's, it, it's obviously a huge upgrade <laughs> over – Steve. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, I I I'm happy about Cutter. Um, I, I'm I'm a little bit higher in Calvin Ridley than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a good chance that they're going to run less than people think. Um, and I think they want to throw to their backs, um, a little bit more this year. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like Ryan's a very safe bet. The only reason I don't have him higher, is because well, it's it's two things. A, I tend to favor running quarterbacks. Um, and B. There is one issue with Ryan that I think maybe is under discussed, and that's if something happens to Julio. Yeah, uh, there's problems. So Ryan has double injury risk. He's got injury risk himself, and then he's also, in my mind, a QB two without Julio.
1: Yeah, I think that's a. And he, Julio, seems to consistently have something nagging by the end of a year—an ankle, a a foot, whatever it might be—and he tends to play through it. Yeah. So I I can see that worry, too. Um, But I I love that you brought up Dirk Cutter. I think that's the reason why I'm so high on this guy is Matt Ryan was the QB2 last year in fantasy, and that was with Steve calling the shots. I mean, (laughs) and that was about as bad as it's going to get. And Cutter, you know, when they they were together, that's like you said, he blossomed under him. He had some great years. I think he set career highs until, of course, you know, Shanahan came and they they smashed those. But he put up some great numbers under him. He knows how to use Ryan, so they already have that kind of familiarity no relearning things, but then Cutter comes from maybe pulling in some air raid staples, right? After working with Munkin for so many years and uh, for those last few maybe. years in Tampa Bay, maybe he takes That'd some of that. They, and they they take some of those concepts and bring those to Atlanta. They just led the league in passing with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston over in Tampa Bay. If Cutter could have taken some of that magic dust and bring it on over to Atlanta now with a better weapons cabinet, you know, than, than he had last year with Calvin Ridley and I. I don't know. I just – I see all these things aligning that just seem – this guy could blow up. He already had the second-best season last year for fantasy, um, and it could be even better this year with a better play caller.
0: Yeah, you know, look, I'm with you. Um, But, you know, one thing about that, I think, look, Cam Newton wasn't Cam Newton last year. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. You know, Carson Wentz wasn't Carson Wentz last year. Mm -hmm. The field, Um, yeah. You know, so I think – exactly. I think the field is really strong this year. Yeah. Um And listen, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to take Matt Ryan as, you know, third, fourth, fifth quarterback off the board, uh, I'm going to say, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Works for me. I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you, you want to sort of wait and go floor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's – it's a perfectly reasonable way to play the position. Um And by the way, just – Saying, I'm not even going to draft a QB1. I'm just going to target the QB2s that I really like. That's another really smart way to play the position. The <laughs> only way to screw yourself at quarterback is to reach too early for anybody. Yep. Anybody.
1: What's you the know, earliest you would take Mahomes? Like, speaking of that, I've, I've had that internal um, debate. I never end up with him because he always goes like round two, anyways. But where's the earliest you would take him?
0: That's a good question. For me, I, I man, I don't want to bump people out, but probably the fifth.
1: Yeah. I'm the same way.
0: He, he fell yeah. to. I, mean, I, have, I have one. I have one. Deshaun Watson share. It was in the eighth round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ta- I have not taken a quarterback before the eighth round in a seasonal league yet. Yep. So I'm I'm I'm. You know, a lot. I, I I don't really care about which quarterback you take when. To yeah. me, that's that's like which flavor ice cream you like. To me. It's like, who's left on the board at other positions when you start drafting quarterbacks? To me, that's where the rubber sort of hits the road. And I'm not saying that's the only way to do it, but that's the way I do it.
1: I'm 100% the same way you think about opportunity cost, right? Am I taking a QB over a guy that could really blossom into one of those multiple position running back or wide receiver? It is simple supply and demand. It comes down to that. Especially in a one, obviously two quarterback leagues would change things, but in one QB leagues, that's the majority of most of them when you only have one signal caller going out there and a, a supplier that's, you know, I think there's probably 18 to 20 that I would be happy with as my QB1. So low demand, high supply. Uh, I, I never end up with guys like Matt Ryan or, or these guys anyways. Um, it's it's whoever, once there's no running backs or receivers, it's like a certain tier and it's usually right around round 10, 11. It becomes just kind of those those upside flyers for the end of the draft. That's where I might be like, all right, let me get Kyler Murray and watch him run all over the place and balance it out with a Phillip Rivers and get a a nice safe backup and a a great upside stab. Yeah, you said Cam Newton. He goes to, I think he went in round 10 last night, and and it's just like all these weapons that he's going to have. And like you said, if he developed that mid uh, that short to intermediate game and now knows the value of that as a more mature passer. He had an MVP season not that long ago and he wasn't as mature of a passer as he might be this year. So I guess that's, that is the good point, right? If you are going to reach on a QB, make sure it's the highest possible cheat code ceiling. Ryan's not going to be a cheat code. He might have a very solid, safe season, but Cam Newton could be that, you know, 30 point cheat code like Mahomes was last year, like
0: Kyler Murray could be. So I think that's and- an interesting point. Cool. I, yes. I like that. Um, so you know, and look, I I have to admit, I'm I am sometimes that like kid who like had too much caffeine or something, and, and and sometimes I do get a little antsy and, um, you know, like I'm saying, I've taken quarterbacks in the eighth. I know a lot of people who are like, dude, you're crazy for taking a quarterback that early. Yeah. Um, like like Dwayne McFarland, like like dude, eighth? We should wait to the like you said, tenth, eleventh, <laughs> something like that. But for me it's, it's really about reading the board. And I think on Dwayne's board, he's probably right. Yeah. But for me, for the most part, I get into the eighth round and I start looking at my future picks. And at that's the point where I start seeing not much drop off. So Mm -hmm. when I look at the guy, I'm going to target in the ninth and the 10th, unless somebody's slipping, who's -hmm. really good. I don't see a lot of drop off from the eighth to the ninth to the 10th. So that's Mm -hmm. when I start getting comfortable taking a quarterback. Um, but, you know, some people are like, no, 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 that's not the way you should do it. You should keep racking up those guys with upside until you don't have any more and then take your quarterback. That's a very smart way to do it. And I don't yeah. think they're wrong. I just but – for, but for me, I tend to do well in the second half of drafts. Mm-hmm. I tend to do well finding the guys who slips. It's one of my strengths. And I don't mind giving away one round in the eighth or ninth because I know I can make up for it. But yeah, that's – that's how I like to
1: play it. A, a case in point on that one uh, was last night. I ended up taking James Winston and I, I didn't really need him at that point. There were still plenty of guys I liked, but I was like, nobody has this other guy on my radar. But sure enough, somebody had printed out my cheat sheet. They drafted Darwin Thompson, the next pick right after me. I was hoping he, I was at the four spots. I was like, all right, he'll get right, right around to me. So it's that balance, right? Like, and that's the one thing it's I love the draft. Like I don't have Darwin Thompson and it, hopefully it's not going to make or break a fantasy season, but it was just, painful to watch that happen last night it's weird
0: I, I feel like we're talking about my draft from last week in the in, in the beantown brawl because i um i i took I, I was telling you i took chubb at 10 mm. um odell came back around to me so i'm odell chubb i felt good about that um yeah. and then in the third round um damian williams was there so i took mm. damian williams um, who i love um love that, i mean yeah. I, i've loved damian williams as a player for a long time the whole uh, kc thing is this odd confluence where like people like I keep people people keep saying like, oh, well, where were you on this guy two years ago? I'm like, well, you wouldn't believe it. But I happen to love him. Two years ago. <laughs> but no one ever believes it when you say it. Um, so um, but the thing is, I like Darwin Thompson, too. And um, I, I actually went pretty early on him. I took him in the 12th. So I don't nice. know where you were trying to get him. But I just said, you know what? I'm not messing around here. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but Damian Williams already got that little hamstring thing. Who knows if he's going to repull it? Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna mess around. It, it, because when I'm targeting Damian Williams, yeah, I like the player, but what what I'm really targeting is mm-hmm. the passing down back in that scheme.
1: Yeah, that talk about a platform. I mean that's the that's the best platform you can possibly. I'm all ask about for. that. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, and, and,
0: you know, I, I think Darren Thompson's a pretty solid player. I, I might not be quite as high on him as some people, but he's solid. And mm-hmm. you know, Andy Reid being high at a back is really all I need to know. Yeah. Um so uh yeah, I I I went and made sure I got Thompson to go Uh, with Damian Williams. And it's funny, in that draft, I talk about myself being sort of like a kid on a cappuccino sometimes. And um, I, the thing I did that sort of ticked everybody off is I took QB in the eighth round, but I took Kyler. Um, And, you know, Andrew Luck was still on the board. And um, I, you know, obviously, there were other things I could have done with the pick. But I just had this idea in my head. And sometimes I just have to try. Yeah, I, I know it's not necessarily the smartest thing to do. But I just had this idea in my head that In this room, there were so many smart industry guys. Mm -hmm. And I find that in these industry drafts, there's like this subtle contest going on to see who can wait the longest on quarterbacks. (laughs) So I sort of wanted to think, you know what? If everybody's just going to wait, this might be a chance to try something. And I just wanted to see what it would be like to have two guys who could sort of redefine running quarterback on the same team on the same season. Mm -hmm. So I drafted Kyler and then I drafted Lamar. Lamar, yeah. <laughs> I have both of them, and maybe it's going to just be like, maybe I'm going to end up like Dr. Frankenstein, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> having really just gone down the wrong path. But I just, I, I wanted to see, because I'm a DFS player, mm-hmm. and I, I grind every week on matchups, and I, I just started thinking, you know, what if I had the two best foot point quarterbacks in the league, and I had the ability to try to place them in these matchups yeah. that I liked, Is it possible that I might be able to find my way to getting most of their blow-up game? Yeah. And I I just want to try it and see if I can do it. Maybe it's going to be a genius move. Maybe I'm going to look like the dumbest guy in the room. I don't know. But I just want to try it.
1: I I think it's genius. I I love it. I love Kyler Murray this year. Uh, I didn't come out with him in my draft last night, and that's another one of my huge, just like – How am I not following my own advice? I've been calling him the the potential 2019 (laughs) Mahomes because I think this air raid offense, I mean, is it a guarantee to hit? No, but if it does, when you think about ceiling, like this could be a situation, just like the Rams a couple of years ago, where they went from the lowest scoring team in the league, you get McVay, they end up going to the highest scoring team in the league. I could right. see him doubling their 14 points per game last year. The leg points, as you mentioned, he, he's going to be an unbelievable runner. He's as good of a thrower as we've seen, uh, in my opinion, come out in, in quite some time. And they stacked a weapons cabinet to fit exactly what they want to do. Uh, to me, I just see it all. It's just a matter of risk: is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to translate? I, I think they do the offensive line, of course, too. If if they can't keep him upright, but it's going to be such a fast-paced, you know, quick strike attack, I don't know if the line concern is going to be as big. So I'm with. I love Kyler Murray. He's not one of our guys our, written down here, but I'm with
0: you. I'm, I'm I'm with you, man. I mean, it's 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 all about the offensive line there. I mean, yeah. look, the other night you're getting one one point five counts. No quarterback can function that way. You mm-hmm. can't throw the ball that way. So if that's yeah. going to be the season, we're in trouble. I mean, yeah. We're in trouble. Um, I know. But I'm, I'm – and, and I don't – you know, th- there's a decent chance Kingsbury is the next Chip Kelly where he doesn't have the chops to, to be an NFL coach. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. So th- there's definitely a leap of faith here. Um, um, but the thing about this offense and this team, they're not a good defense. Oh no! They're, they play a schedule where people are going to be racking up points on them. I hate to be this way because it's a little dangerous, but I just the idea that I'm going to have a lot of Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray garbage time. Yeah. Where they're just going out against defenses that are already ahead. It, again, if the offensive line is so bad that they can't function, it's not going to work. But if they can figure out a way to just scam some protection Mm -hmm. if they can figure out a way to scheme him around to do more boots to get johnson involved to maybe work some jet sweeps to run a little and and they could be a team that uses the run in a tactical way they're not establishing anything they're just trying to make sure teams know that we're going to keep punching you you can't just you can't just put a bullseye Mm -hmm. on our quarterback they have to maybe come up with a little they might need to play backwards yep But if they can scheme teams, just keep them a little bit off balance, I believe in this player a lot. You hit the nail on the head. This is not a running quarterback. Mm -hmm. This is a really good quarterback who can run like crazy. Yeah. This is a reverse scenario. This is the first time I've seen one of these running quarterbacks who can run like all over the damn field. But he would be a top flight prospect if he didn't run at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So – this is a chance where we can get, A, we can have the cheat code, but we don't have to have the cheat code to be so strong. You know, like with Lamar, we're hoping he can put up 10 passing points Yeah. <laughs> so we can cash in on the foot points. With Kyler, it could be 25 points passing, 10 points rushing one yeah. week, and then 20 points rushing, 15 points passing the next week. Like, it can come in any form. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's just too exciting for me not to at least just – Get a little taste.
1: I, I'm with you 100. I'm I'm all about a it. And, and you
0: bring in Thank Joe me. Kelly too.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I and I'm so pissed. I took it the exact. Um, dilemma you just said. I took Andrew Luck last night, not sticking to my guns, and I just was like, I, I love Kyler. Why did I do that? Um, but he, yeah, a couple I things. Mean, just uh, yeah, you know, it's Andrew Luck's the upside you're in early, year two. Wrong, right? Exactly. Oh no, I didn't. It was like round like ten. Luck was still sitting there, so I I didn't reach. Um, but even More
0: the Andrew case, Luck in round ten. What are you right, doing? <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, terrible pick. Uh, but. Um, it, it, what I was going to say with Chip Kelly, too, even as, you know, he didn't translate, wasn't a long term coach. Remember that first year he came into the league and his offense was just so new and no one knew what was going on. I feel like Michael Vick was like a, a unstoppable. Was it Vick that year or was Foles or one of those two? I forget. Either well, I way, was,
0: I think it was Foles um, and then Vick. I think, yeah, whatever no, the order was, they both were ridiculous. Well, Foles in the offense. Did Foles light it up after Vic got hurt? I, man, you're hitting my memory. I'm not sure, I, I, but yeah, I, they me, me good as well.
1: One the, I think that might have been it. I think uh, Vic got hurt, and then Foles had like 27 touchdowns to two interceptions or something like that. Um, and, and LeSean McCoy led the league in rushing, and it was just one of those. Even though it got figured out, and he didn't last long, that one season, that new offense, no one had ever seen. Like that, that effect could still be there for the Cardinals and and Kyler Murray.
0: But yeah, and for fantasy, what, Chip Kelly bottomed out, and we can we can sit around and talk about the why. But he was a predictable cheat code for us fantasy people. That's, Absolutely. That's, what and that's all we care about.
1: And, right. And <laughs> exactly. I, and
0: I, just, I totally agree. I totally agree.
1: Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's all going to – and the, the pace they're going to play at, they didn't show that. They're not going to show that in the preseason. Maybe that helps the line a little bit if they're just getting up to the line. Fire, it, fire, it, fire. It. It's uh, expecting – I you, mean, they're you know the way they practice, they're saying they expect 80 plays a game or something of that nature. So maybe that's a really, way they scheme it. Yeah,
0: That's a really strong point. Yeah. This is not an offense that's going to look good if you're going out there playing vanilla. Yeah. I mean, if this offense isn't actually doing it, it's going to look sort of weird. Yeah. Um, and it sure did. <laughs> <laughs> it looked real weird,
1: but this is, yeah, exactly. You can't do a half, you know, air raid. It's got to be all the way
0: in at the pace. patient We're not, run. We're not going to really, see that until week one. I, that's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> we're not. We're, we're, we we may not like what we see like week one, but we're not going to know anything. I don't think until week one.
1: I 100% agree, and I and I hope that the discount starts to get baked in after that bad preseason yeah, game. Because I'm that's a really good point. You know, hopefully that impacts the price. Because I'm I'm definitely all in still, and I'm maybe I'll write a fake article for my friends to read right now. If Kyler Murray, don't draft him, <laughs> so I can just keep getting him in round 11 and 12. Um, but all right, we're gonna move into the the no huddle offense. So essentially, Uh-oh. just a kind of rapid fire uh, crucial fantasy questions that you, if you feel like you want to expand on any by all means you're welcome to but okay. we're really just looking for the, the name that comes to mind the round or whatever the question's going for all right yeah all right we'll fire you through it so in my all opinion and right. what I've been reading there's a consensus kind of top three Barkley Kamaris and Christian McCaffrey who goes first for you and then who comes fourth right after all those guys
0: give me a scoring what scoring are we using uh we'll do we'll do PPR full PPR okay yeah. um Right now, for me, I have it: C. Mac, Barkley, Kamara, mm-hmm. but so tight that you just can't even describe it. Yeah. So, if if, if 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 like anybody on my site wants to take Kamara one, I, I support you fully. Uh, and I, I really, you can order them any way you like. But for me, it's very, very tight: McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara.
1: Gotcha. And who's going fourth right after those guys?
0: I'm still on Zeke, and yeah. and Zeke conceivably in .5, could move up to my one spot. Um, I'm still on Zeke cause I just, I just don't buy Jerry Jones's poker face. I like it to girly or not to Gurley <laughs> in 2019. Um, it depends how far he slips. I mean, like, let's put it this way. If I'm the team drafting five, mm-hmm. he's not getting past me in the second round because I'm not going to give the, I'm not going to give one of the teams that started with an elite back girly in my league. Yeah. It's <laughs> not, it's not going to happen. So uh, I, it's almost like taking one for the league. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I'm, I well, I just I I don't want to create a team I can't compete with. And if somebody yeah. starts off Kamara Gurley, and mm. Gurley ends up playing like Gurley, I'm in trouble. So yeah. b- because I'm on the fence to start with, you know, I I, I might just take him organically because of the upside. So I'm sort of like the defender of, of, of the, the, the crown, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm probably unlikely to take him at 14, 15, 16. But if I'm the guy sitting there at 17, 18, 19, I might do it.
1: Gotcha. Uh, we already covered the top I don't top know screen. if that made sense or not.
0: Oh, it makes perfect
1: sense. I, I, and, and, and here's I what, would he, love to he, react too, but I'm trying to keep it the, the no-oddle offense. Yeah, I love him though. Here's
0: my basic problem on Gurley. It's hmm. sort of simple. You had a guy with a knee condition – who then had a knee injury. And I don't know what the differentiation is between those two things at this point. Is he once again a guy with a condition but not an injury? Or did the injury exacerbate the condition to the point where the condition is now worse than it was week three last year? That's the circle we're in. I don't have access to MRIs. I don't have access to his team doctors. I don't get to talk to Todd Gurley personally on sodium pentothal. So none of us really know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm actually planning on talking to my a guy who was my college trainer back when I was a pretend athlete. Um, and I'm gonna and he's like a really good guy in the field. And I'm gonna actually run my thought process by him and see what he says. Nice. I, I may be leaning in on Gurley a little bit more later in the week, and I'm gonna put it in my podcast. But he's a really tough player. I mean, I I, I can't remember one this tough in the second round. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. Uh, It could make or break
1: them. You know, if if you get Gurley in round two and it's Todd Gurley, you're probably going to win your league unless you had a horrible draft after it. But also, you can't just, if it's knocker, if it's just knee flares up when he's done and you lose your round two pick, then it, you know, could ruin you. So you're
0: probably in a little bit of trouble. And I think a lot of whether you want to draft Gurley or not has to do with your personal disposition. Are you the Mm -hmm. kind of player who can handle your season going south early? Now, I am. Yeah. I play a lot of leagues. I don't, if mm-hmm. I got one team where I, I gurlied it and I screwed the pooch, I can live with it because ultimately mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is increase my odds of winning the league. Yeah. And I think Gurley is the kind of player who might do that for you, but he could also. So if you're the kind of person who really enjoys the arc of your fantasy season and you don't want any trouble weeks one through ten, Gurley might not be for you. If you're the kind of person who just wants to win the money, I think he's somebody you have to negotiate. You have mm-hmm. to think about and you have to have a reason for why what, you know why you're gonna do it or why you're not going to do it. And again, what we talked about before, if you're going to fade him, then I think you have to figure out how you want to be on the guys on that depth chart later. How do you want to look at Henderson? How do you want to look at Brown? Absolutely. Who will be the next tight end to join the fantasy elite in 2019? Assuming the elite are the top three on the board. Yeah, the yeah, the big three, yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say O.J. Howard, because mm-hmm. I think he's the most talented tight end in the world. Love to hear that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but but uh, obviously I've got similar love for Evan Ingram. He's, he's in the equation as well.
1: Nice. What's the earliest round you'd consider? So you already answered on Zeke. You still have him at four right now. What about uh, Melvin Gordon? Do you think either of them pull an extended
0: holdout? I'm scared of, I'm scared on Melvin. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got him in the middle of the third now. I, I'm not even 100% sure I'm pulling the trigger there. Like if Like let's say I really love my first two picks. Mm-hmm. I'm probably unlikely to take Melvin because I don't want to mess up something that I love yeah um where I'd probably consider him is if maybe I'm okay with what's going on and I feel like I need something mm-hmm. then maybe I would target Melvin and then maybe go a little bit early to get Eckler and try to play it that way yeah um you know what I'm saying uh, but I
1: the the team Probably last night is a perfect, perfect example of what you're uh, saying, though he had he went receiver receiver. I think is Adams and uh, Juju, and then he got Mahomes in round three, and he was like, "Well, if Melvin Gordon shows up, and I have a true RB one with this kind of base already," and he took Eckler like in the the next round after that, in the next turn, he did literally exactly what you said there. So I, 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 I found think, that
0: intriguing. I think you can make an argument for doing that. Um, I, I just I just don't like the tea leaves at this moment. Mm-hmm. I you know he doesn't like. I mean, obviously there's posturing going on, but his camp feels fairly dug in. The Chargers are, like, famous for being dug in in these situations. Like, I, I'm not going to bet on the Chargers suddenly changing their stripes or their, their lightning bolts or whatever. Yeah. So um, then when you factor in two pretty good running backs that they can live with. So if you're the Chargers and you think, well, Melvin's might come back week 10 and get his accrued year, or however it works. I think that's the position he's in. Something of
1: that nature, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, fading
1: right now. I'm, I'm
0: fading Gordon, and, and I'm, I'm targeting Eckler and Jackson a little more aggressively.
1: All right. I like it. Everyone likes a good fantasy bargain and the bragging rights that come with it. We've already talked about quite a few, but when I just say sure. by position, who comes to your mind for quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and tight end as the bargain that you're looking for?
0: Um, I feel like Wentz and Newton at quarterback are huge values. Um, i'm 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 really happy if I can draft either one of those guys as my qB one, especially if I'm not well, cam gives me the wheels too, so that's nice. um mm-hmm. th- those guys for me are the guys who are just screaming value mm-hmm. I, I love them. um so let me see what the, now you want one at running back sure um I Chubb in the middle of the second round I think is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um anybody else? I noticed you had Brita pretty high, too,
1: in your rankings. And I, lo- I love Brita. I think that's a good call. You just call. took it right out. You just took the words right <laughs>
0: out. I, I think I think Brita is the second half of the shared backfield where he's going for a significantly lower price. Um, I have him at 84 in my rankings, but he's another one where most of my Brita shares that I have are in the 11th and 12th round. Now, people get smarter in August, and a lot of mm-hmm. those shares came back in, like, May and June. So I think a nice little average way to look at it is, you know, Brita in the 9th or 10th. I think mm-hmm. it's nice. Nice. And well, I think he's a guy who can probably play for you most weeks.
1: I, I, I love the breed of value. He went real late last night too. Uh, what about wide receiver and tight
0: end? You got a guy that comes to mind as bargain for both of those. Um, well, let's just go right to Curtis Samuel. I've got him at mm-hmm. 57, but you know, I, I, most of my shares are in the ninth round. Mm-hmm. So, um, But now he's moving up. So I'm sort of targeting Samuel for the most part uh, in the sixth and the seventh. I'm happy if I can get him there. Um, Same kind of thing with Robbie Anderson. Uh, I really, really like Robbie Anderson a lot. I think not only is he an underrated talent, I think the Jets absolutely have to make him their RB1. They don't have a choice in the matter. Um, And the thing about Robbie Anderson, and this is one thing that I look at that a lot of other people don't, if you look at the routes that – Darnold throws well and then you look at the routes that Robbie runs well they match up yeah Um, Darnold is really good throwing outside the numbers and you know um, Anderson's really good at shaking free downfield so I just I see a lot of big plays coming from those two players so I think Robbie's a value
1: I I love Robbie. I think he was, what, when Darnold came back from injury, I think the wide receiver three in fantasy for those last four or five weeks, he won me a few titles. I started him in a, a bunch of championships, and I won almost all those leagues that I had him in, which was the best. So I got that kind of soft spot, too, that you would, someone wins you a title, you got to go back in on them
0: too. Right? I, well, and hopefully you and I aren't engaging in some really serious confirmation bias right now, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, without Robbie, I don't win. I, I, I got really lucky last year. I won capitalist pigs too, which is a 56 team Fish dynasty league. And oh, they're like, wow. that's, That's a banner that's going to be on my wall for the rest of my life. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to win that league again. So, you know, getting in there, winning year two, and I was on really a four-year build. I didn't think I was going to win early. Um, And really a lot of it was due to Robbie. So thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll um, make sure to send
1: his regards to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So, uh,
0: you know, obviously the the thing with Robbie is the volatility of him as an individual. But in, in, in redraft leagues, you know what? Sounds like he's going to be there. Uh, what uh, I'm going to leave one season. Um, what's, what's next? We did the,
1: we did the, uh, the bar- uh tight end. You got a bargain tight end off the top. Oh,
0: of your okay. head? Oh, wow. Yeah. Tight end. <laughs> sort of my thing. I, I got yeah. a lot of bargain tight ends. Um, <laughs> it, 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 to me, all tight ends are bargains, but, um, I think Henry right now is a guy you can get in the sixth consistently. I think that's a great value. Um, I think Delaney Walker is a guy you can get around. Uh, I, I, I've i seen him going like 10th, 11th, 12th rounds. I think that's, you know, if, if you missed out on the guys you want and you have to, you know, air quote, settle for Delaney Walker. I'm very cool with that. I think Hawkinson um, is a guy I really like targeting in the 11th, 12th round. Um, I like the idea of getting a stable guy, a veteran like um, Delaney and maybe combining him with Hawkinson and hopefully mm. switching to Hawkinson. Yeah. At some point Um, But um, I I think Chris Herndon is a guy I've heard people say He shouldn't even be on your board He's not going to be in there for four weeks But if I can draft Chris Herndon as my TE2 And my tight end one as a bye week Before Herndon's um, After, excuse me, Mm -hmm. Herndon's return I think that can work really well Um, And wait I know there's more (laughs) Uh, I'm just trying to figure out Which one I want to go with here Um, Let's go really deep um, Adam Shaheen, okay. you can get, you can get Adam Shaheen on waivers. You don't even have to mm-hmm. draft him, but he's a guy I think if anything goes wrong with Trey Burton or if he just starts to flash, you know the Bears are a team where blocking is really important because they're looking to punch guys free on screens and bubbles and stuff like that. A guy like Shaheen is crucial because he's a monster and he can really open up holes. So I it wouldn't surprise me if his blocking ability got him on the field a lot more than people think. and then his receiving ability is underrated. and once he's cut the ball, he is like, you know he can be like Vance McDonald where he can just truck defensive backs. Mm. So I just think he's a guy a lot of people don't know about. and if you play in a really deep league, especially a tight-end premium one, like in Scotch Fishbowl. He was a great target, like in the 18th, 19th, 20th. I, I just think he's a name to know.
1: All righty. Awesome. Thanks for throwing those ones out there. We're going to go conversely now on the opposite side of end. Who do you think is overpriced right now and that could bust and cause some shame to come to the owners that take him?
0: Oh, um, good question. Well, um, Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think he's he's I love Aaron Rodgers, but he's going his q b three. I'm a little bit concerned that his weapons are just okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Aaron Rodgers can make okay weapons. look beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of him like excelling and and going up to q b one, you know, his, his receivers have to hit for that to happen. I don't know if we can count on that. Um, and then, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about him going to sort of a West coast oriented scheme. I don't know if that's going to increase fantasy value. There could be some fits and starts as they sort of work through the kinks. Maybe the scheme hits it's, you know, I, I I could see Aaron Rodgers becoming dominant in the scheme, say in 2020, but maybe not yeah. this year. So I'm, I'm fading Aaron Rodgers at cost, um, mm-hmm. at court. Um, he would probably be probably be my main one, maybe along with Russell Wilson, who I've seen him go as like third QB taken. I, I just I'm too worried the, of the, the conservative nature and the run heavy nature of the scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him, to me, he's like a fringe QB one. Okay.
1: What about and you don't have to do all the positions, but do you have any other running backs, wide receivers, or tight ends that come to mind?
0: Well, I'm a Jet guy, but I'm I wouldn't touch Gurley until the second round. Um, Gurley or LeBell. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello. Yeah,
1: well,
0: yes, definitely Lev Bell. Um, and I would fade Gurley if he got traded to the Jets. Yeah. Um, and then we talked. Melvin is a little bit of a fade for me. Um, okay. And Devonte Freeman would be the other one. I just, as much as I love the situational upside, I just don't like the trend. The, the touch trend for him is going down and the health trend is going down. And he's about to meet a high-volume situation. I just Something in me is hesitant on Devontae Freeman staying healthy. Okay.
1: And then last year, in 2017, it was uh, Kamara. Last year, it was James Conner. And there's always just seemed to be some guy after round 10 who emerges and is a, a league winner. Do you have any favorite? We call them the penny stocks, the late round sure. guy that could just explode
0: and blow up. Um, are we looking for running back specific? No, nope, it could be any position. Okay. Um. I'll give you a couple guys. We talked about Duke Johnson. You might Mm. be able to steal him 10th or 11th. I think that could be a big one. Um, I I would say some other guys who I like in that vein would be Justice Hill. Mm. Um, And then to go with sort of an anti-fragility play, I think you could really do well if you can steal Alexander Madison. Mm. Um, And then another one would be, same kind of thing, Jalen Samuels, and uh, also a guy we've talked about already, Darwin Thompson.
1: Love all those lists. They're definitely high up on mine. And the last question we have for you—not really an advice-based one—but have you ever either been involved with, hopefully not involved with, but seen or witnessed a very funny last-place punishment or side bet?
0: Oh man, I hate it when I'm not funny. Um, not <laughs> really. I mean, we just have—we have a pretty heavy $100 shame payment uh, in my yeah. league, which we—which we put in place to encourage people not to come in last and um for what it's worth it's really worked over the years um nobody wants to nobody wants to pay it i I don't know how embarrassing it is because never had to pay it Um, um so you know that's that's about it that's that's like the worst thing i can say i would encourage people not to do silly things like Agree to be tattooed or something. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, coming in last place sucks enough. I I wouldn't I don't think we need to add too much of uh, too much humiliation to it. But, you know, hey, that's me. I'm an old guy.
1: We we tracked down this one league uh, where the loser every year they get a have to get a variation of a Chewbacca tattoo. So they'll be like you know Jamaican bartender Chewbacca or like wrestler Chewbacca jumping from the top rope delivering an elbow drop, and they get really into it. I mean, I've seen them have like sleeves of Chewbacca tattoos. It's like why
0: why would you ever agree to that? Okay. <laughs> Two quick things on that. My broadcasting partner on WEI has a Chewbacca tattoo. I wonder Um, if he's in this league. (laughs) No, he did it completely voluntarily. He thought it was a cool thing to do. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you where it is. That's like a whole other thing. (laughs) Um, And, you know, uh, I have a big theory when it comes to fantasy. If your league loves it, it's good, Mm -hmm. period. If you love standard scoring and everybody in your league is happy with it, then it's good yeah you know if if, if you if your league is t- is 2qb and ppr with triple tight end premium and everybody loves it then it's good yeah you know i, I don't like arguing about scoring systems it, you know if you like it it's good we're playing yeah. fantasy football we do this for fun yeah so fun with feels good
1: yeah, exactly. No, it, was, it was great. We we might even make a little mockumentary of it because we got some footage of them getting tattooed and stuff. it was, they're, they're funny guys and they clearly love it. And they're they, it's it's great stuff. And that's the type of that thing. Is a great which, show. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, <laughs> Pete. Well, this has been unbelievable. I I didn't think I was gonna have more than a half hour with you, and you gave us you know, over an hour of content here, and it's been incredible. Why don't you let any of our uh, listeners who might not know where they can uh, let them know where they can connect with you, where they can find your work, and everything.
0: Um, okay. I mean, rotobond.com, R-O-T-O-B-A-H-N. That's my free site, obviously. Feel free to check it out. Um, you find me on Twitter, at rotobahn, R-O-T-O-B-A-H-N, same thing. Um, for our local people in the Boston market, I know a lot of your people are probably yeah. Bostonians. Um, uh, Jim Hackett and I are on the air every football Sunday and every Sunday in August um, doing our show. It's uh, it's the lead-in to NFL Sunday on EEI. It's from um, 8 to 9 a.m., um, but you can also catch the show. They they immortalize it in digital form. So for those people who like to roll out of bed at nine or ten or eleven or one. Um, oh, yeah. No, no, not one. Not on football. You got to <laughs> <say No. it. laughs> So rolling out of bed maybe eleven thirty something like that. Um, you can catch it on wei.com every week. So uh, awesome. Feel free. Right, thanks again man It's been a blast It's been too
1: long Since we caught up And just talking football again It seemed like natural again Just being back with you It was
0: awesome 100% We gotta do this again And, and uh, we gotta turn this Into a home and home We gotta get you on my show too
1: I would love to Absolutely righty, Pete sure. Thanks again my man We used to have it all But now's our curtain call So hold for the applause oh oh oh, oh and wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Stole the show. Straight ahead. Deadly. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown,
0: That's old fashioned football right there, folks.